Got it. The boys are back. You guys are in. The boys are back minus one funny bunny who um, our boy from New Zealand. And uh, he's, they got the New Zealand Nationals. Yeah. Minus Brett Gibbs, though. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Brett's been dealing with some things. But um, so ordinarily, you know, there, there's there's obviously the, there's no IPF Worlds. New Zealand wasn't going to be able to come because due to the COVID restrictions. Brett's got some injuries. But also, it, it kind of appears like he's not as into powerlifting as he used to be. I think that's fair to say. I think he would say that. But I don't want to speak for him. Not going to put words in his mouth, though, my friend. I'm not going to put words in his mouth. He's going to be phoning in his mouth in his garage at home, you know, (laughs) squatting 700 pounds every day. Yeah, you're right. Running the Bulgarian method, getting ready for 2022, bro. Come on. You're right. You're right. But I am, it is curious, man. I do want to reach out at some point. But if he doesn't have a big competition coming out, I'm not going to, you know, bring them on and, and ask them a bunch of questions. A lot of people, if they're not prepping, don't want to be like, yeah, I haven't done much. And, you know, it feels awkward for them. And they're like, let's wait until I'm prepping for something big. And I respect that. He's been on a few times, but um, I am interested because usually I remember at one point he was like on YouTube, pumping out YouTube videos all the time. He was all over Instagram, pumping out his training. He was like smack talking on Instagram. If he had a big competition coming up, he would um, have on his Instagram stories. He would, have, he had a podcast. He had a podcast with JP Coochie back in the day when there was only a few of them. Did I say his last name wrong? <laughs> Is that a monumental last name wrong? Uh, I've never heard it that way. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you have love. Oh, but you have. No, oh, come on. But but you know maybe uh, Gibbs is like deep into his uh, career now. He doesn't have time for all the extra stuff. Or maybe just not posting anything, and he's out there grinding away. That's, he's gonna come out in 2022, just blow the doors off. He's like, I ain't got time for YouTube's. For YouTube's, he says it like that. <laughs> You're right. I mean, we'll find out. Or maybe maybe it is. He might be taking a pause because he knows nothing's coming up and you can't be in the fire this whole time. You'll burn out, especially if you have nothing coming up and you're like, why? Let me chill a minute um, and, and then come back when it's appropriate. Uh, he knows what kind of leading time he needs. But anyways, nonetheless, New Zealand Nationals is happening right now. So we lose our boy Rory and um, it doesn't have Brett. However, we do got a lot of powerlifting news, don't we, fellas? Yeah, I mean, they got some shooters at New Zealand, too, man. Don't hate just because Gibbs no, ain't hey, there. Hey, listen, <laughs> listen. Evie Corrigan, um, Tim Monogatti, freaking Seb, the, the the big, I think he's 120 kilo plus. I mean, they got, no, they got shooters in, in New Zealand. Believe me, they're, they're pretty stacked, man. Um, even more than that, but that's just off the top of my head. Any one of those people, you know, they're all going to pod- They could podium uh, conceivably anyways for more a year. Right, from it, it, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Tim Monogatti's total at nationals will be higher than all the totals at Worlds. Um, yeah, I mean. Almost not, definitely. <laughs> unless, like, you guys are counting at Rust, though, but you would have to he's, be counting at Rust. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought he was 74. Sorry. No, no, no. He's an 83. Yeah, he's 83. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, I would. That, I don't think he couldn't beat Russ. I don't think that's a little. Although, like, he's he's totaled 800. So I'm he's 800 up. So he he's he would be podium. 
he'd put, he'd be like a Sean Noriega ish uh, level, but likely an eight twenty five ish range. Last place, eight twenty. Oh, <laughs> shoot. we got shooters on the podcast too, kid. We got hey, Tom, burn, burn me out of the, in the fantasy league, bro. And then oh, and then we'll see for uh we'll see for uh Evie's toll in the forty and the fifty sevens how that's going to stack up to worlds. She will have a total that would stack up nicely to the worlds, if not win it, definitely in a podium position. And there's a couple others, man, off the top of my head. I can't remember, but uh, I'd have to take a look. I mean, you got lifters from all over the world, but yeah, I mean, New Zealand's got, New Zealand's got shooters, but even bigger, everybody's talking about, we have movement, massive movement. This is no longer uh, a matter of guesswork anymore. There's still some guesswork involved, but it's, we have some definitive things being said by the president of the USAPL, who seems to be somewhat accepting the situation, but I don't want to bury this yet. So hang with us here, but we have a, we have a, we have a couple press releases to go over. Is that right? Kind sir. You want to talk about it for a second there, Ari? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we discussed it like, you know, before the press releases on the other podcast, like, yeah, like the, the different steps of like the anti-doping commission, then the doping hearing panel, then you can go to, you know, the IPF court of appeals, then you can go to the, you know, the uh, cast, the court of arbitration sport. So now we kind of gotten some updates like, okay, the, the um, press release from a couple of weeks ago was kind of like they went to the anti-doping commission and they gave their recommendation to the doping hearing panel. And that was the one that came out July 30th, I believe. Yeah. And uh, that one is interesting because it includes some things like a 10,000 euro fine to be paid within 30 days of the decision, uh, suspension from the date the decision happens of all USAPL like lifters from competing internationals. Also, like anyone who's on a committee, like, you know, an IPF executive committee or any other the committees, they would be suspended from that. And also a uh, 7,000, is it? 7,500 euro fine with just covering the IPF's legal costs. So that's like, you know, 20,000 US dollars plus not being able to compete uh, whenever this decision happens. So that was like a big thing that like, would USAPL actually like, you know, continue to fight and pay this stuff? Or at that point, would they like, you know, try and appeal it and not pay? Then what we got. But again, that's only if they're found you know, guilty and, you know, in the suspension actually happens, you know, that was the recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, the guy could say maybe like, Oh, you know, don't suspend the lifters, but find the country or they can maybe say like, Oh, you know, find them less. Or maybe they say like, no, like, you know, not find them or not suspend them. Who knows? But it was like interesting to see what the recommendation was of all the things um, outlined. Then the latest one was August 15th was a news post. Well, and the article and the letter included said August 11th. And that was just basically, yeah, like it's gone to the next step, which is the doping hearing uh, panel, which apparently is going to be a one person panel. And then we don't know a date of when, how long it's going to take, when the decision is going to be. Uh, we obviously don't know what the results of the decision going to be. But the interesting part was the very end of it. I don't know if you want to read it word for word, Ryan. Okay, you want me to do it? It's like back in grade school when you got to read in front of the class. But this is what got a lot of people's attention. Accordingly, and in consultation with council, with council, no solution appears possible other than a separation of our respective organizations. Let's just hang on that one sentence for a second there. Larry Maley, USAPL president, has essentially said right there, 
he does not see any solution. Previously, he was hopeful. You know, I'm hopeful something be worked out. Let's see what happens. And they had some, you know, we had we had a couple of different ideas. People coming up with different. Wow, what if we had two different tier systems where you have the elite and their water, and then blah blah blah. Right? We've we've gone through another podcast. That last line is essentially him coming to the realization and the EC likely that we are going to split apart from the IPF. That is fucking a historical moment. This is the biggest. It is the biggest national federation stating that they're leaving. And they have the biggest, obviously, nationals. Um, It's not small. It's not a small announcement right there. I'll read on. That appears to be the objective of, of the charging documents anyway. All right. So essentially, he's saying, I'm being forced out. We are being forced out. While we have enjoyed participation internationally, USA powerlifting will not do so as at the cost of our non-elite membership, our values, our clean platform, and our autonomy. Gotcha. And this is more along the lines of what they had previously been stating um, when they say the non-elite membership. They feel as though to be water compliant means they can't drug test the local level. That's a discussion point that you could debate back and forth. We've done that. Lord knows we've done that, but um, our values, uh, fine. Our clean platform, again, these are things you could debate. There's other nations that are water compliant that would argue they could do that. And then our autonomy, and that's more along the lines of having control over the doping testing. Um, And yes, you have to give up control to be a third party. And that's actually a very much a breaking point, a wedge issue, as they say, where if you can't move on that, neither can we we're not moving. That's the end of it. And that was very much a wedge issue moving on to the, the sex. So there it is on, we kind of seen this coming, but we're somewhat hopeful. Now, how does this impact the 2021 IPF world championships? This is where the last paragraph is. If you're looking for some light at the end of the tunnel and we'll double back on what we talked about in the other two podcasts, we anticipate the arbitrator will render a decision based on the information available. Our only hope is that the athletes who have been duly nominated for international competition during 2021 be allowed to participate as independents or through some other mechanism. They should not bear the consequences of this administrative dispute. Now, gentlemen, couple moving pieces here. Um, we do know the, the individual who's, who's going to be the arbitrator was named in this letter. Um, we do know, it doesn't appear that he has a powerlifting background, but he is in a sport, an Olympic sport, was already at the Olympics officiating, uh, may or may not be at the Paralympics. I mean, he's, he does have scheduling and, you know, I, I don't know how this is going to work. We don't know how this is going to work. We're not going to guess, right? Um, but there, this might not be immediate. This might not happen before the IPF World Championships anyway, regardless of his decision. We should throw that out there. On top of that, what Larry is driving at in terms of can these lifters be allowed to participate as independents or through some other mechanism, we had briefly touched on, if people had paid attention, the nominations for the Russian lifters now say ROC. 
And that's uh, the IOC had suspended Team Russia. And now these lifters are lifting under, I believe it is, um, Russian Olympic Committee. So there is a mechanism in place that is being used right now. And I think that is the hope. And not just for Larry of a lot of people, not just of the U.S. lifters, but probably a lot of people who want to compete against them, want to see them compete. So all is not lost. And we do have some mechanisms that appear to be in place that are options. What are your guys' thoughts about what I just said, though? Really I mean, open. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like we've seen the writing on the wall for years with this, right? It's finally coming to fruition where it's, you know, finally going to be judged on. And it seems like USAPL is kind of just kind of rolling over and saying, okay, we'll just kind of go away. Just let our kids go play real quick one more time. And then we'll, we'll, we'll be out of, be out of our, be out of way for <laughs> it's the, know, it's like, the uncle got left, asked to leave the party. And he's like, can my kids just have one more play in the backyard right, before we go? Right. <laughs> I've had too much to drink. I'm out of here. But my kids right? are going to stay a little bit. Like, he's like, okay, I got you. Yeah. It's a weird, because of how like hard USAPL has been going at this and like, you know, with, with their posts and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, well, I guess we're, we're done here. It's going to, you know, we're just, let's just break up. Basically like it's, it's not you, it's me or, you know, like, like we're going to break up. I'm going to break up with you before you break up with me kind of thing. Right. That's kind of like the way it sounds, but um, yeah, I mean, it just kind of leaves our lives kind of up in the air for the most part. I mean, considering we're both full-time powerlifting coaches for the um, United States of America. So we'll see what's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks and how that's going to roll out. You have some good analogies, my friend, your breakup scenario is good. And, it, and it's so 2021 where the breakup happens over social media and everybody's involved watching it right? where it's like, you got to change your status. Now you got to change your bio and the whole time, man. It's, um, it's, it's complicated. That's what they're going to put in It's like a split where friends got to choose which side of the couple you're on. You're like, oh, yeah, man. Um, yeah. It's uh that, and that's just the breakup part. We'll talk about the athletes in 2020 worlds in a second, but Arian, how did you feel about reading that where it's like, oh, wow, this is no longer kind of like Bill saying where previously they were, it was aggressive posts, but at least if it was aggressive, you wouldn't be aggressive if, if you thought it was over anyways. If you're thinking like, we're going to split up, what does it matter? It, it kind of sounded like at least a little bit like they're fighting for something. Now, someone could say, well, were they just fighting for, they knew the fight, they knew the split was coming. So they're essentially being aggressive to win over lifters. So when the split comes, they get the lion's share of them. Maybe that was the case. Or were they actually trying to fight to be like, look, here's some solid points and we just, we want to stay. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. When I, when I heard about it and I'm like reading, you know, the news post and I'm reading the actual letter itself, like, you know, everything at the beginning kind of made sense. It's kind of what we were talking about, the different process and everything is going to like, you know, slowly over time, it's going to go step by step. And then, yeah, then you read those last two paragraphs and you're like, oh, crap, didn't expect that. So <laughs> so if, if we if we take that as like, you know, that's what they're really feeling right now and that's their plan going forward, part of it could be like, we don't know the timeline stuff, but they've had multiple meetings. They've had email communication. They've had video calls and stuff like that. We don't know when they occurred. They've had some sense, our USAPL nationals in our, in our annual meeting. And so it could be that they were continuing to fight 
when they were having those discussions. And in those discussions, they were trying to give those alternatives like, hey, what if we have two different federations? Hey, what if we do this? Hey, like, you know, uh, the NBA does this when the players switch over to USA basketball and stuff like that and trying to fight and give different examples and everything like that. But if they feel like, you know, everything got shot down and none of the other options were good enough. And so there is no other option other than, you know, doing the full switch. Then now it's gotten to the point where like, okay, like they said, no solution appears possible. So let's let our lifters compete for the rest of the year. And then starting next year, just kind of go our own separate ways. Looking at, at a certain point, I do respect the fact that, you know, it, if Larry's like, look at, I, I get it now. You, uh, I need to dance to the beat of your drum here. You know, you guys are a global body with a bunch of other nations that you guys are moved in this direction. And, and if I don't want to dance to that beat, that's okay. You know, we just part ways and it's, it's been a slice, but uh, this isn't going to work anymore. And he even said, I do enjoy, he goes, we have enjoyed participating internationally it looks like they're going to move in a direction where they're not going to be participating internationally anymore. What this means in terms of the future of powerlifting in, in the U S oh, it's going to be, you are guaranteed. We've seen this before. Obviously Australia left and immediately there's another Federation popped up. Um, that is going to happen. That is going to happen. There will be representation by the U S and the IPF. It's a global fed. It will happen. Um, how it looks, I'm not sure. I could tell you Australia real quick was able to put together a team for, for the worlds, even if not with like a bunch of infrastructure in place right off the bat, but everybody sees this coming. I mean, like Bill was saying, this has been coming for a long time. So you have to think there's some infrastructure being talked about and mechanisms in place for that. Even if it splits, be like, okay next worlds is 2022 anyways we want you to be able to field the team so we'll see what the hell happens i don't want to get super ahead of ourselves here because we do have a little more discussion points what do you guys think about because you're both um you know obviously american coaching staff and and programming and have lifters in the u.s and just for the 2021 worlds anyways even as powerlifting fans what are your thoughts on U.S.'s participation? Bill, you want to go first and then we'll do Arian again like we did, we just did? Yeah, I mean, obviously I would like to see the, the American team compete, of course. Um, you know, there's other factors in play here besides this that, you know, might, might make that not happen, obviously, with the whole pandemic and all that kind of stuff. Travel restrictions and whatnot. Um, you know, vaccinations, non-vaccinations, all that fun stuff. But um, yeah, of course you want to see the, listen, we're, we're, we love powerlifting. We're all powerlifting fans at heart. We're competitors, all that stuff. We want to see it happen, right? We, we want to see the best go against the best. And, you know, so, you know, that's kind of the whole point of the Olympics, right? It's like, you always put that politics aside and wars aside and all this other stuff. So you can just come together and do sport together. And then you have your, your differences afterwards. Um, it's just unfortunate that the actual, you know, quote unquote wars that we're having now are between the, our president and the, the federal and the IPF president. So uh, that makes it a lot tougher, but um, yeah, I mean, hopefully they can all compete so we can just watch, but I do want to actually um, Ryan made a really good point and it kind of hit home to me that like, 
you know, all the social media stuff that USAPL has been posting, like now after hitting us with this, like, okay, I guess we'll just separate, you know, at the end of the year, it really does make sense now that they basically just been trying to like campaign for people to, to stay. Right. It's almost like a, like an election watching, you know, these commercials and, you know, different stuff going back and forth and fake news here, fake news there, whatever. But like, um, you know, they're basically just campaigning to keep, their lifters at home knowing that they were going to split by the end of the year, most likely. And then even that little point where he puts in there, like, hopefully our lifters can stay and compete, even if they're unaffiliated or whatever, like, cause then if the IPF says, well, no, you guys can't compete for this year, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, see, we, well, we tried, you know, we put it in the letter. We wanted you guys to compete. They just said no, instead of saying like, oh, we didn't comply. That's why you can't compete <laughs> kind of thing. It's, yeah, the devil's in the details in terms of the wording. Like you could, if, if you wanted to reword this and say, you were out of compliance, you've been out of compliance, a suspension was long coming. We all knew that. And we knew your lifters were going to be holding the, the, um, the lifters who were on the U.S. national team at some point, one of those years, we're going to be holding the bag for it. It was going to happen. Your national team was going to get suspended eventually. We all knew this. So it isn't totally just like, well, IPF, why are you doing this to our lifters? It's like, well, you know, what are we going to do here? There's got to be consequences. And unfortunately now, so right. And hopefully though, there is some mechanisms in place that we kind of seen we're watching being used right now. So maybe, Arian, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with Bill as far as like, I'm pretty sure like everyone wants to see the US lifters compete at Worlds. There's no one like saying, uh, like, oh yeah, screw them. Like they should stay at home. Like, cause it has nothing to do with the lifters. They have no choice. They have no say they're, they're not voting on this stuff or everything like that. So you should still find a way to get them to compete because, you know, obviously everyone wants them there as far as viewing and like the competition, everything like that. Um, so it would, it would suck if there's some kind of timeline where it happens right beforehand. Cause like, you know, we have the final nominations due September 2nd. So that's when like, you know, we have to pay all the money for the team fees and then the hotels and everything like that. Um, so then it's like, okay, then what happens if it happens between September 2nd and when the competition starts. So hopefully the arbitrator kind of like understands that, like, to me, it doesn't really make a difference. Like if you're going to suspend the organization, you know, September 1st or November 1st or December 1st, kind of the outcome is the same as they say in the letter, let's just finish off the year and split. So Hopefully they'll, they'll allow that to happen um, so that the lifters can still compete, get their like, you know, one last shot. And then uh, like, just like you said, uh, USAPL knows that everyone knows like at some point another affiliate will come in and those that still want to go to IPF worlds can just go to the new affiliate, but you don't want them to lose out on their money and their effort and stuff like that uh, this year, like everyone did last year. And it should be noted. This isn't, it isn't going to be up to the IPF anymore. we got an arbitrator. So what kind of power does he have here? Is he the one doling out the punishment as well? Yeah, I mean, I don't know all, all his powers, but it seems like, yeah, he's the one who doles out the, power, the decision. It seems like the Anti-Doping Commission reviews it and gives a recommendation based on the information. And then the doping hearing panel, which in this case, USAPL is saying is just one person out of the whole panel. You can go on the IPF website and see the committee and see the people on there as he goes and looks, looks at the recommendation and the case and I guess he makes the final decision. And when, when he makes the decision, um, like the recommendation says, it might go into place that date. So, and so, cause a lot of people like, again, devil's in the details. And when it comes to this wording, a lot of people are like IPF, 
more specifically Gaston, let them come on, man, let them lift. And it's, it, it's not, it's like, this is out of my hands, my friends. I, I, this is beyond me right now. I, I don't have the power to just step in here and be like, okay, here's what we're going to do for the lifters. Here's what we're going to do for, this is out of my hands at this point. This is where it's like, when you get to global bodies this big, you can't just put your hand in there and say, okay, we're going to do it this way. It's not a dictatorship, right? And they answer to people. That's why when WADA and the IOC is involved, and to an extent, this is what you want for transparency and for like lack of corruption, that a president can't jump in here and be like, I'm going to decide all of the suspensions. And because then you could have, you know, no one can accuse you of ulterior motives this way you know, or a conflict of interest this way when it's like, I, I willingly take it out of my hands. If someone else is going to judge this, isn't that the most fair route, you know? So um, just for anyone listening, because sometimes the wording you see in comments, people refer to in almost like talking to the IPF or talking to Gaston or talking, it's like, you're, you're save your breath right now, <laughs> right? There, this, it's not exactly the way it's going to happen. Um, but hopefully there's a review and uh, I'm sure they obviously they're going to take this seriously and they know they understand they're lifters that have competed, won the right to make the, make it on the national team anyways. And their nominations are in. And um, I'm sure they're look at, they're a part of the Olympics as well. So they can recognize, Oh, look, we have ROC and they're very familiar with these mechanisms. This isn't their first rodeo and they're very much familiar with this. So they know the options at play. It's just whether or not we're going to see yeah. USAOC. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, what I was going to say is maybe what the IPF executive committee could do or has the power to do is after the doping hearing panel makes their decision. So, you know, the, the guy, Mark Williams, makes his decision on his own whenever he wants, but afterwards, then they can react. So if there is a suspension of all the lifters before Worlds, then the IPF exec committee can come in and say, okay, let's do this, you know, United States Olympic committee, or let's just do a unaffiliated. They have no flag. They have no team. They're just like individuals and allow those lifters to compete. So maybe something like that happens. Like first, let's see what happens in the decision and then see if the IPF can come and, you know, make some kind of resolution for that time period. If it happens to be before any of any of the world championships, since we have a number of them coming up. Yeah. As I was going to say, like, normally we talk about mostly the you know classic worlds here, but like, obviously there's, you know, classic worlds is going to be like 10 days long. Then we have, you know, bench worlds that's coming up. So it's going to be masters, junior, sub junior equipped and classic. So that's another like, you know, six, seven, eight day competition. And then you have open um, worlds, which is all the equipped lifters. So like, yes, we're, we're kind of talking about classic right now, but like, even if the decision comes the day after classic ends, then it affects all the benchers and all the equipped lifters. So it's like a, you know, a whole, a whole mess of things that can happen. So um, it, it would, it would really, really suck if like, you know, the classic lifters got to lift and all of a sudden the bench guys get screwed out of it or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that would just be, you know, just another kick in the nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. You're right. I mean, it, you're 100% right. We're talking as though, if it happens after classic worlds were out of the woods and it wouldn't that be great. Sure. It would be great for them, but there are other people who would be like, Hey man, you know, I also was at a nationals. I also I have dreams of representing the nation at a, you know, world event, including like the bench and the equipped and, and all the rest of it, even like the world games is coming around. And that's, uh, that's I'm, a qualifier I, this year. Yeah. So, so there's, there's a lot of people who are missing out. Um, 
So yeah, you're 100% right. It's more than just a classic. And um, Irene, so you were saying, what is it possible though that the arbitrator could say like, like, can the IPF say we're still going to let the lifters lift? What if the arbitrator is like U.S. does not get representation? Like, could they say they don't have representation at this world's? That's that's my decision is actually there. They're suspended from the world's. Then would the IPF be like, could we do one attack? Like, they have to try to work out a, you know. Uh, I mean, I guess it's kind it, of a president. I'm putting you on the spot, but it, it, the, the 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 precedent would be actually just reminding me as Bill was talking is that if it is this this one man doping hearing panel of Mark Williams is he was actually on the panel for the Russian doping scandal with the whole Russians being banned for four years. And then they appealed and got down to, I think, two years. And then you have like, you know, they don't get to have their flag and they don't have to have their anthem, but they're the Russian Olympic committee. He was part of that. So the press, the precedent would be that he was part of that case. And while he did suspend the the Russian uh, National Olympic Committee or whatever they, uh, the name of their uh, federation is, something like that, is he found a way to still have the athletes compete at the Olympics. So maybe he is lifter friendly and maybe he will do something where the lifters for powerlifting would be able to still compete and not be like, hey, no, no lifter, no US lifters can compete at the world championships. Um, I, I guess maybe the, the only way I can think of or the reason why he would do that would be if they're saying, you know, if they're doing unauthorized tests and those lifters haven't been tested and they're worried that someone may be cheating and then come to world championships and like, you know, win championships, then can they go and test all those people before worlds or enough of them before worlds before all the world championships? Or maybe they just say, no, those people can't compete because they haven't been in our testing pool. But I, I don't, I mean, to me, that seems unlikely based on the recommendation and then that he seems more lifter friendly. I don't see why he would go more extreme than what was recommended. You are right. Um, first off, that's good background on this gentleman. Uh, well done, sir. Well researched. But yeah, it's it's so it sounds like if he lean if he historically speaking has leaned towards the athletes and letting the athletes compete, good. But you do raise a good point though. If he looks at this and is like, I'm if I'm leaning towards the athletes, do and he doesn't know, he doesn't know he has he has no FaceTime or background on who Amanda Lawrence is, Jonathan Keiko, or like you know, so for, for us to be like, no, they're clean. So relax. He would, he doesn't know him from a hole in the wall. So he, if he tells himself, I am pro athlete. So the problem is if I look at this and I'm like, you guys haven't been tested or WADA tested to these standards. And this is the standard I believe in, in a while. He's like, I actually think I'm harming the rest of the nations who might compete, be competing as athletes that I can't guarantee. And that is against, you know, what we look at in terms of the Olympics and et cetera. Right. So that might be where he weighs on his conscience where he's like, I want to be pro athlete, but is pro athlete mean I let them compete or is pro athlete mean I don't. And cause all the other athletes across the world, if you picture, cause here's the thing we, you have to understand, we know these people. You know, I just posted Celine Crump, Celine the Machine, and like, she's not on anything. And I know this, you just like, you, you, but this person doesn't know any of that. So don't picture US and the people you know, if you're listening to this podcast, picture another nation full of people you've never heard of that are doing insane things and some arbitrators deciding whether or not, and you know, you've been water compliant and they haven't. And the arbitrator's deciding, do I let them compete? And he's like, I'm very pro athlete. You might be telling yourself, good, good, good. So you're not going to let them show up, right? 
Like you might be thinking that way, you know, if you don't know any better. So that's where this guy might be like, you don't know. It's tough. It's a tough one. You could see it either way, right? I'm not sure. Though maybe as he's flying to Olympics and stuff, he's listening to King of Lifts and he loves Russ. It's his favorite powerlifter. How do you know? Imagine he's like, listen, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm into the Olympics. I know all about the water, all the rest of it, but I'm not a big powerlifting guy. That's why I got brought in because I'm going to be impartial. Let me do a little bit of research. All of a sudden I get fucking following King of the Lifts. He's listening to the podcast. He's like, listen, these guys are running the damn mouth first off. <laughs> Second off. Yeah, I don't know. He's like, or maybe he's, he's maybe he joins the fantasy league and he's picking all the uh, the, the underdog and he just kicks all the Americans out. So then all of a sudden he's he's up there on top of the leaderboard. Can you imagine? Or we go through, we're like, hold the phone. I recognize this guy. I, I it hits me halfway through the podcast. Fucking second, I recognize this guy's name. The USAPL fantasy league. He knows exactly who we are. Like he knows exactly what who everyone is. Oh, that'd be amazing. But uh, yeah, man, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting, but there's a couple, there is reason to still believe and have hope in terms of this. Um, I really do think anybody making these decisions does not only for the lifters or the athletes in, in terms of uh, historically speaking in other sports when he's resided over it and made these decisions. Um, you're, you're probably going to lean towards, unless you think they're dirty, you're going to let them compete and not only just for them, but for the other people. So they don't have an asterisk like, well, so-and-so aren't there. And for the other, for the good of the sport, for the people watching, you know, if they think, I don't think the athletes are dirty. That's the number one question. Like Arian said, if he thinks he's got to make a decision, am I comfortable with the drug testing that was done? It's enough that you know, all right. I don't, I, I think the federations in hot water cause they're blatantly saying we will not comply. I, there's going to be an issue there, but maybe I'm comfortable letting their athletes lift regardless. Yeah. I, you got to hope for that. And it's possible. Yep, then, then the big issue becomes, as Bill said, is like, we need to get these COVID cases down so that uh, the U S lifters can actually travel. Well, my man, <laughs> if you guys are listening to this, um, the more people who aren't vaccinated, it's going to get harder and harder to start traveling, showing up and doing things you want to do. This is 2021. So if you're unvaxxed, this shit is getting tight. You see the noose coming around, man. Like it's getting harder and harder to, for movement in international travel. These other nations that are going to let you win, they're going to look at you like this. We, they might be like, if you're double vax, cool. If you're not, it's going to be difficult. Um, and travel bans and, um, and just nations that have low vaccination rates straight up. They're like, we just can't, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter I'm double, you know what, the, the, just period. There's going to be a travel ban and travel restrictions on this. It's difficult, man. It's really difficult. And, uh, even your way into Europe, UK is no longer part of the EU. So if you go through the UK and then you try to enter into the EU, like these are things, gateways that might be closed in the future. So you got to start th things are getting more complicated. So you got to be, all right, I got to get double vaxxed. I got to get tested three days before out. Make sure it's the appropriate test, A, for the country that I'm entering and pick your country. If it's Iceland, it's also, it's in the EU and it's also a Nordic country, which is more friendly. So now you're like double vaxxed. I got the appropriate test within the timeline. They want the test to be done. And it's the test that they want. I'm going through EU country, which is Iceland. It's, it's a Nordic country, which also, by the way, helps. 
land in Copenhagen, take a train into Sweden. It's getting like that. Here we are, man. That's just that direction. And then you have to worry about going back. Yeah, well, doggy. Yeah. It doesn't then you got ex- to plan your PCR test in time to get the results before you fly back home. And, and then obviously, if, if by whatever chance along the way you come into contact with COVID and, um, and you're stuck and you have to quarantine in Europe, it's one thing to quarantine when you're at home, but it's a whole other thing to quarantine when you're in Europe. And uh, who's paying for that? Well, you're going to be paying for that. And do you have time off work? Do you have a family? Are you not going to be there for your family? Uh, do you have a new member of your family? And the whole night, there's a lot of things that's going on where like, you have a lot of considerations bigger than yourself. So you're like, you know what? A lot of people got to think about these things, man. It's not easy. It's, it's a be, and that's above and beyond sport. That's, that's just regardless. I wonder, yeah, how much it costs for 14 days. Cause Rory was saying for New Zealand, it's like $5,000 to stay at the quarantine hotel. Wow, man. That's a hell of a fucking hotel. And, and that's also, if you don't get hospitalized, I, I, I don't know what it would be like if you got like, you know, you got infected in Sweden or, or Denmark, and then you had to figure out a way to go to the hospital, like get on oxygen and stuff. Right. Yeah. We're talking about like asymptomatic people. We're not talking about like someone who's actually like needs a ventilator or something like, yeah. I mean, you know, you could be quarantining in the hospital for months or whatever. You, know? <laughs> uh, you would be, yeah. Yeah, that's a disaster. Yeah. Uh, you hear stories though, about people um, like they're still at home. So they're in the U S they catch it and they're, they go online and like, Anybody listening to this, anybody reading this, get facts because I didn't think, you know, we, we talk about this, how it's like, everybody thinks to the star of the movie. So it doesn't happen to them. You're always the main character. So the background characters, the side characters are the ones who get caught or the ones who get hit with COVID and et cetera. You never think it happens to you, right? So when it happens to you and it really hits the fan and you're in the hospital and you're like, fuck if I could have went back and there are people posting saying this like it isn't just the flu this is bad this is whatever right so the worst case scenario would be yeah man not only even if you're asymptomatic and you're stuck out there for two weeks imagine freaking you actually end up in the hospital you better have insurance man your job better hold you down while you're out there and, and your family that's not going to see you they're not flying in to see me bedside you're alone man it's tough it's tough. We, we discussed about uh, this before, but like when you said it now again, it kind of made me think of like high school and college was like drinking and driving. Everyone's like, oh no, it, wouldn't, it won't happen to me. I know how to drive. Like I won't, I'll be fine. Like, you know, I only had a couple. And then I had some friends, of course, you know, get pulled over, get DUI, you know, they got to bum rides for like the next 12 months. <laughs> Dog, I, I had friends that died yeah. um, drinking and driving. He was uh, like, they, they flipped their car and that shit set on fire and they died inside that car when it was on fire. Like worst case scenarios going, sorry to bring this rig the fuck down, but <laughs> you look at, this is in the nineties. I'm older. I'm old. I'm over it. I'm not going to get emotional on you, but um, yeah, man, my boy rap died as a teenager doing this. And, and uh, so yeah, in terms like these things happen, you see these things, man, if we got a, over a thousand people, you just hope for the best. So Number one, play the odds, get yourself double vaccinated. So at the very least, if it happens to you, 
um, the, the odds of you actually be able to handle this and being okay, or, or much, you're much better off. Some people are like, well, I'm double vax. You hear people saying, I heard a guy got double vax and got COVID. So obviously the vax doesn't work. Well, it's not necessarily that you can still catch it. It's just, it improves your odds. If you catch it of, of being able to battle it, your immune systems tasted it before and you'll, you'll do it a lot better, but it's not like a get out of jail free card just helps you out. Stack the deck in your favor double vax, rock a mask, do your damn thing and be safe out there. But that's, I don't want to turn it all into a big COVID thing because I think sometimes people hear a lot of COVID in podcasts. And again, they're like, all right, I don't want to hear about too much more of that. I was but, looking at the, I was looking at the nominations that you mentioned a number. We were over a thousand, I think maybe a thousand seventeen or something like that. Now we're down to 963. Obviously we don't know why people dropped out, but it could be, you know, it could be reserve lifters. It could be people who can't get visas. It could be people that don't want to deal with the restrictions and stuff like that. So we're getting some people to drop out. And of course we had some people that switched, uh, switched nations. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the previous <laughs> nomination had reserves in there, which inflated it. And then, um, and some people like we, we take for granted, we go to Sweden and we don't have to go through the visas and whatnot because we have those agreements in place. But when it was in Belarus, it wasn't that easy. You guys are both in Belarus. It wasn't that easy to get a visa. Those There are a lot of countries that it's really difficult for them to get out. You put in your nomination and then you go through the process to try to get the visa to enter into Sweden. It's not that easy. Well, Belarus was good because the Minister of Sport basically just gave us all visas, right? It was, it, it was fairly easy on our end, at least, um, to get it. Uh, it was basically just, you know, I went down to the D well, I live right by Washington, DC. So I was able to go to the consulate and get it done there, but everyone else, I think just kind of what mailed it in Arian to get yeah, the, the Russian. Yeah. Consulate. I mean, it, it wasn't like complex, but it was just the process of, yeah, you have to get the letter from the IPF and then mail your actual passport to yeah, the embassy or the consulate, That's then right. however much time it had for them to process it and then send it back to you. That was some people like I, so this is 2017. So it's been a hot minute, but I remember some people were, I remember there was some confusion, I think with the paperwork as well on our end, because some of it was like in Russian. And then there was, um, and there was like a handing over of your passport that some people were uncomfortable with, but like, man, this is, I'm not sure about that part. And then we, I think I remember driving down, but um, anyways, this is going back a few years and those are like simpler times now for us. <laughs> holy smokes but yeah there are nations all over the world that yeah there's going to be some people that are going to be dropping out due to a, a various different reasons as well as travel bans or it's just getting tighter and tighter on their nation as well and you got to have your method of entry man what what country you're coming in from but we'll see we still got a lot of lifters up there but uh it, it is it is going to be interesting and then moving forward um, what's going to happen with the USAPL and, uh, and how that's all going to take place and what's going to happen with the new, the new federation. Well, Arian kind of just touched on it real quick, but like, obviously with the writing on the wall with the USAPL looks like they're leaving at, at the end of this year, we've had a couple, um, USAPL lifters jump over to compete for the U S Virgin islands this year. Um, it's like, what was it? One master's lifter Arian. And then, uh, John Laflamme. Yeah, so the, the first one I saw, because he's from Florida, he's one of our referees, is, yeah, John LaFawn, Masters 4. He made the switch in time for Classic Worlds. So that was, like, the first one I saw. And then the second one, you want to go ahead? Yeah, so then Ian Bell um, has switched over from USAPL to the U.S. Virgin Islands for cool. the Equipped. So he's going to Equip Worlds, um, representing USVI. 
Um, his father switched over two years ago, maybe something like that, to be the, I don't know if he's the head coach or the head referee or something affiliated with them, but he switched over. And um, I know their family obviously is very close with, you know, Kimberly Walford and her, you know, so I think they made the switch there pretty easy for him. Um, but yeah, so he'll be, you know, guaranteed to go to um, open Nash, open world, sorry, even if USAPL can't go and then he'll have his shot to go to world games again. But yeah, Ian, you know, got what, uh, third place at world games or something like that, fourth place at world games in 2017, bronze medal at open worlds. He's been a junior world champ in the equipped and the classic. So he's a, a pretty legit lifter for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and his dad, like it's, it's legendary. They come from a, oh, yeah, a powerlifting yeah. family. So, but for, for everybody listening who might not be familiar, like how difficult is it for somebody in the USAPL to go to the U S Virgin islands and be like, I want to join this team and lift it with the IPF. So I think that to, to join the U S Virgin islands is very easy, right? You can, you can just, so tell me if I'm wrong, Arian, but the, basically the rule is if you have a passport for the country, you can be part, you can represent them, correct? Yeah, you have to be uh, a resident or have passport in order to be a right. member of the nation. Right. Representing so, your national team may have some additional things like Puerto Rico has additional requirements. Right, right. So for the U.S. Virgin Islands, they are, you know, a territory of the United States, so they have U.S. passports. So Arian and I both already have U.S. passports. So if we want to go to U.S. Virgin Islands, we can join that federation tomorrow, basically. That's amazing. Um, now, as far as being on the national team goes, um, I'm not exactly sure how that works. Usually it's you have to win their national championship um, to make it to their, you know, their national team. But um, I'm, I'm guessing that they're obviously grandfathering Ian in since he's, you know, probably going to be on the podium at worlds and they don't have very many equipped lifters so he can kind of just switch over and go from there um but yeah so and pretty much any usapl lifter that wants to go to usvi can do so tomorrow if you wanted to <laughs> i mean it's it's not a one-day process and it also depends <laughs> on it depends on whether you competed in an international competition like in the last 12 months which for us it turns which, out like yeah. you know there were no, no international way. competitions <laughs> Um, then obviously like, you know, they have to see if there's any, any, uh, disciplinary actions against you, any doping failures against you, that kind of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, John Laflamme and Ian Bell switched before this latest, uh, press release and letter came out. So they were going based off of like, Hey, we're not sure what's going to happen. Is USAPL going to send a team? They're not sending them to North Americans. What happens if like, you know, they get suspended. So they did it based on, I guess I would say maybe, uh, more of a risky move. Like we don't know what's going to happen. Where now, if we're trusting what the letter says and that they're saying, hey, like, let the lifters compete this year and then um, and then we'll just leave. And that who knows when the suspension comes, we'll be interested to see if anyone switches now. And it seems a little bit more certain. Well, listen, all of these people that are on the U.S. national team have to have a passport. If they're going to go to Sweden. So they got passports. That's it. That's the number one requirement in terms of being able to switch over. Now, making a national team. Doggy. Russell Orr, he calls you up. I got a fucking feeling. I got, I got a fucking feeling they might find room for on the now, national now, team. The, 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 the other thing your, your boy Russell Orr and these other lifters have to understand, though, is if you're switching your member federation, you're becoming a member of USVI, 
you are no longer a member of USAPL. If you're not a member of USAPL, you don't get the benefits of being a member of USAPL. So people have to understand that, that they may not be able to compete, coach, referee, meet direct, anything in USAPL. You are no, you're a spectator. That's all you can do if you want to go switch. And then January 1st, that could change when they leave. So when they leave the IPF, so who knows, right? That couldn't, that could not even be an issue anymore. Well, I was just about to say where judging by the letter, you got to kind of live for today because tomorrow never comes where in terms of the USAPL, if you skip it over to the US Virgin Islands, yeah, you might be like, look at I mean, USAPL splits. I want to continue to, to compete at a world level if possible. So I'll probably end up with the IPF affiliate so if that's the case, you're like literally giving up, you're not giving up anything, it would appear, right? Unless the U.S. affiliate, I can't see a new U.S. affiliate coming in and being like, well, you went to U.S. APL or sorry, U.S. Virgin Islands and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think they're just, they're going to be gobbling up whatever lifters they can get. Right, um, but then there's, but there's also like a time you have to wait. So they would miss a whole year of competition then. Well, and that's IPF, to- right? Right, right, right. Right. Gotcha, and, plus gotcha. you're, and then basically you're going to say like F you to the U S Virgin islands and go back to the new U S federation after they just helped you out to get you to worlds. Like, you know, that would be kind of not a cool thing it to is, do either. Uh, right. Is I, maybe they understand that. Maybe they're okay with it coming in. Right. Yeah. I was just about to say, look, I'm in Toronto and uh, the Toronto Raptors picked up. Um, who was it? <laughs> uh, do you guys remember when they won just like two years ago? Um, Are you talking about Kawhi? Leonard? Kawhi Leonard, yeah, and um, and it was literally like he came in, won us a won us a title, and then bounced. And we were kind of like, are we okay with this? And we thought about it for a second. He came and went pretty quick, and then we all looking at each other like, I think we're okay with this. <laughs> like, like <laughs> we were never gonna get that title without him. We were never gonna get that title without him. And I think if the U.S. Virgin Islands is like, I keep using Russell as a, but if Amanda Lawrence or whoever comes in, and they're like, let's be honest we were never going to beat Amanda Lawrence or like having a Amanda Lawrence style lifter or Russell or he, I, I mean, they already have Kimberly. They, so they have the, they have the, the best female lifter of all time. So they, yeah, but they might be like, they, well, I'm just saying you can't say they're not going to have someone at that level. Because you're right. You're right. No, you're best. right. You're right. You're right. But what, what I would say is not fair enough. What I'm saying, I mean, like at 84 and 83, yeah, 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 I know what you're they saying. could turn into the, they could turn into the 1992 dream team if they if they if they opened it up and they're like all right we are accepting all nominations from the u.s they should put out their own social media post just like the usapl has been and be just as aggressive scouting and be like hey guys <laughs> but um i don't know man it's it'll be interesting there are options go ahead uh, no just gonna say the two caveats that you saying like oh there's no downside of switching is one for the, the classic lifters you're talking about, the preliminary nominations are already in. Like no one can switch at this point for classic yeah. worlds. Yeah, it'd yeah, be yeah. it'd be for like you know open worlds like Ian Bell switched. So if any classic lifters were going to switch powerlifting, it'd be for next year. Like if let's say USAPL continues to fight and they're still around, or like it's there's in suspension, then maybe lifters would switch for next year. <clears throat> the other thing is that, like you said, you know, don't know the timeline or how it's going to be, but someone will create another affiliate if USAPL decides to leave, but we don't know what it's going to be like. What if there's no meets or what if there's one meet or what if there's like not a meet in your state? Well, you can't go compete in the USAPL meets because you left them. USVI only has a couple of meets a year and you have to go fly over there. It might be pretty costly. So then it's like, are you going to like do, you know, no meets and just do worlds? Because, you know, you decide to leave USAPL and the new affiliate's not set up and you got nowhere to go. 
Yeah, because according to IPF rule, you can't actually compete in a non-WADA sanctioned. Oh, there's there's that as well. <laughs> yeah, right. So it doesn't. So like literally, you'd have to be in the new the USA Federation. You'd have to be a guest lifter or whatever if they were okay with that, because um, you couldn't just go and do like a USPA meet or or whatever it is, because they're also not you know um, WADA compliant. So that's part of the the uh, the IPF ruling kind of thing. USPA believe- USPA non-test is water compliant. Is it? They don't do any testing. <laughs> Jesus wept. That's true. Look That's at this true. guy. He's so happy with himself for that joke. Look at the, look at his so belly good. laugh. He's he's like ah, and there it is, folks. Uh, I'll, 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 <laughs> that's, he leaves. He just straight up leaves the podcast. He just gets no better than that one. <laughs> I, I got to shut it down while I'm ahead. Um, talking about Brett. In, in this situation, uh, doubling <laughs> back with, Brett. That was well, like doubling, I, I mean to say doubling back with Brett talking about the situation is what I meant to say is uh, he actually does that. He doesn't. I remember talking to him and I was like, how many times have you won nationals, man? Like, do you have competition there? When did this before? Like a Tim Managati would have, have appeared. Uh, but he's like, oh, I, I, I don't even lift it. The nationals. Like, I think he kept just make, they to put him on the national team just through uh, a selection process. So when this new federation pops up, depending on how they roll it out you know they're gonna they're gonna have the understanding of they want to have their best lifters on the national team so there was different different methods that have been used in different federations that have worked and um so if you're in a state that's a little far away doesn't have competitions and whatnot they could work it out and i get it maybe you want to meet before worlds but all is not lost I mean, you're talking to somebody who's going to back-to-back worlds and the the last one was two years ago. (laughs) Which is going to be weird (laughs) as shit. But uh, I don't know, man. It's definitely, uh, it is interesting, man. We do got some options for people out there. And some people probably listening to this is like, ah, okay. I mean, maybe if you you, um, don't anticipate going to the world championships, it doesn't super matter. But there is something about being on a, with a Fed that is, associated at the world level as well yeah and it's the accessibility of the meets like we were saying so like for a local level lifter does it make sense to go to a new federation right away that only has you know five meets you know throughout the country a year or is it you know easier to go to a you know stay at home and you know have five meets in your state every year kind of thing you know what i mean where you can you know you can choose where you want to go so it's going to be interesting how the evolution of both of those and kind of how that would work out um, if and when it does happen. We'll have to see. Uh, look, it is interesting as 2021 was 2022 might be, this is like setting up the split. And then this is setting up the divorce and then the fight for the kids. Like I, like I wonder, cause you know, we're on the complete other side of the world what it's like for the Australian lifters with PA leaving and like APU coming in and like lifters having the choose and like, you know, lifters getting suspended. I think like if you like spotted and loaded, like an APU meet, they didn't let you compete in, in PA. So like, I wonder if like, it would be th- that kind of thing. And I wonder like if those groups like, you know, ever talked in the past few years or maybe now they're talking like now when there's whole drama going on with, uh, with, uh, powerlifting Australia. So I wonder what kind of, uh, similarities we'll see here. We'll see. You, you see it. You see it a lot here, though, with like USPA and USAPL right now. I mean, like the majority of those people don't, co- you know, 
cross compete kind of thing, right? There's like, yeah, you're a USPA lifter, you're a USAPL lifter. I mean, there are people that go back and forth, of course, but like the majority of them don't. So now we throw a third wrench into there, into the, into the mix, and then you're like, okay, now are you this, this, and, yeah. It's even, it's even. Let's, it's just add, just, let's just add another Fed to the United States, baby. Let's go. It's even interesting how like coaching often doesn't cross over, which is interesting. But here, but here's the thing, right? So if you're going to be an IPF lifter or coach, you can't do anything with the with the a non WADA compliant federation. It depends if they enforce that. Right, but, they, but, but as per the rules, is that right? right? So like. I, as per the rules, I'm I'm ineligible right now. <laughs> See, yeah, I wonder if because like would water come after like uh, it, so it's an IPF rule. It's not a water rule. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the IPF would they? I don't know. If, I don't know. I understand where your point is. I just wonder <laughs> if they would actually go so far as did you handle somebody at this competition? Because you could put it this way. Put it this way. If you're programming. And, and you have clients all over the U.S. You can program for somebody in the tested, untested, water, non-water. You're just firing off programs. That doesn't matter for anyone listening. They're not going to come at you and be like, excuse me, Arian, did you program for this guy that went to the U.S. Kern? And um, like, whatever. It's going to be, were you at the U.S. Kern handling somebody? And right. for that, it's a little bit, um, you know, for some people, like, not a lot of people are going to travel to diff different, like if you're a big time coach, like your guys, like you two, um, Joey flex TSA, whatever the heck you're going to be showing up at all the different nationals, et cetera. But for some people, they're never going to go that far anyway. So it'll be interesting to see how these bigger coaching services are like, damn it. You kind of split me up now. I can, I can, you, you, they can conceivably can still program for every single one of their clients but half of their clients, let's say, if they're like, I can no longer show up and handle you, you got to find a different handler. And there is a correlation towards if you don't handle your clients at the big meets and somebody else does, sometimes that somebody else ends up with that person as <laughs> a coach. Sometimes it's just like, wow, we got to build a rapport here. Uh, her, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Rapport here. Um, and it, uh, it happens, man. Like, I don't know. It, relationships get fractured. It, it'll, it'll depend. It's yeah. I mean, we've seen it already. I mean, we've seen it already. Like, you know, some of the big services have had their coaches out at these bigger, like, you know, it was a Kern or showdown or whatever the last big one was. Um, you know, there's definitely some, some higher level coaches that were there that, you know, weren't supposed to be there according to the rules. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. So it, it's, no one's caught anything. So it's not a big deal. It's not an issue. Um, but again, as if there's whistleblowers, then that's, I guess that's really the, the whole issue of it. Right. If, if someone um, blows the whistle on them, I guess, you know, it's like emails guest on like, Hey, so-and-so did this and this and this and this. And then like, you know, Ryan did, you know, Ryan competed in this meet. He shouldn't have done that. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so. We're going to Photoshop Ryan's head on whoever is doing the live stream commentary at the showdown. <laughs> here's, here's another thing. I would assume the new federation, it would actually work in their favor to not go aggressive with that kind of thing in terms of like, because in terms of the IPF, they're not going to know 
all the different handlers, all different coaches. Like they literally are overseeing the entire globe in terms of powerlifting. There are so many different member nations. They might know a couple of people here, but they're not investigating. I, I can't think that they're going to investigate overly. So it will be a whistleblowing process, et cetera. Like you had said, Bill, where I have to think the buck might stop at the new fed where they're like, do we hand this over for, I think this person might've handled this lifter at this meet. If we start playing that game, when we first get established, we're going to be the ones with the far fewer lifters, far fewer meets, far fewer officials. Do we want to make it tough for people to, to survive here and make you make those tough decisions? Or are we going to be as accommodating as possible right now and be like, all right, if it gets brought to our attention, we'll have to address it, but we're not going looking. We're not going looking. We're not trying to ruin anybody's day. We're not going to put you in a hot spot to make you choose. We're not going to put a finger in your chest and be like, it's them or us when we have five meets and they have 25 or whatever. Right. And there you're, you have to travel three States to get the mine, but you have five in your own state. Like maybe, maybe I'm just look at, I'm, I'm not going to try to get start nothing up. I understand there's rules there, but who knows? Like, I, I don't, there is consideration. That's, that's, that. that's that slippery slope though, right? You start with one little rule. You're like, don't worry about that. Then the next thing you know, you're testing your buddy ah, in the bathroom after the meet's over it. and we're back to fucking square one, bro. Like Next thing you know, you're testing your buddy. You're taking his blood. And you're yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, it's a slippery slope with that stuff, right? I mean. Oh, next thing you're. Right, by you're the book, Bill. That's his new. Look, at we have Wild Bill. We have Big Bill. It's by the book, Bill. Now he's the fucking law. Now he's, he's by it. Bill's like we're gonna be putting like you know holes in the drywall, passing bottles through like Russia did. It's gonna get crazy, man. Bill's like, I've seen this story, fellas. I know how the story ends. I'm not, I'm not doing it. All right, okay. You made a good point. This is all fair. Um, do we want to continue on this, or this is a bit of a segue? We brought up the Olympics there with the, that doping scandal, and um, and there is some talk to be had with the Olympic weightlifting. Our before we jump into that real quick, just um, uh, SBD and IPF just came out with the whole the Sheffield Fund. So I just wanted to drop a little info on that really quick. Yeah. If you're going into Sweden, sub junior, junior, master, one, two, three, four, whatever, open lifter. If you're not getting help with any of your travel expenses or your hotel and you were hit, you know, financially by, you know, COVID the last 17 months, you know, go to. I think it's like uh, go to SBD Apparel um, Sheffield Fund. I think it is backslash Sheffield Fund website, and um, you can fill that out. And you know they raised over like thirty thousand dollars, I think, selling the t-shirts. Um, you know to kind of help out the lifters going to Sweden this year for uh, Worlds. So go over there, do that, get some, get you some money, help you uh, pay for your fourteen-day uh, quarantine after you get COVID at the competition. <laughs> Uh, deadline august 26 so they got you know less than 10 days at this point get it out yeah and um yeah you could find that link bill gave it but it's also on like it's been shared by the ipf it's been shared by spd like these links are all over instagram you'll find it and um dog yeah spd they've already we've gone through it before but spd given out um i think it's a hundred and was it seventy seven thousand dollars u.s uh, potentially in prize money to their athletes into determining uh, like based off of their performances at the IPF world championships, add to that this 30 K I mean, and then add to that the 
a lot of the teams that they're sponsoring in the open, they're covering some of the expenses in terms of travel and accommodations. It's fucking nuts what they're doing for, for powerlifting and, and the lifters. And this is crazy for uh, guys like us who remember yesteryear when you thought it was dope to get a free t-shirt. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see if we get a, a number after this year. Cause it might be more. Cause like, you know, they're saying, you know, get refundable tickets, get insurance, get whatever you need on your plane tickets. We'll cover it. So the expenses might be higher. Is that what SPD is saying? Well, good on them, but that's pretty dope, man. Cause one, one, you don't know what COVID restrictions and two for the USAPL uh, lifters, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, you know, if they get suspended and they have a plane ticket for worlds that they're not going to use anymore, then you want to get a refundable ticket or have the, uh, the uh, insurance to be able to cancel it and not be like stuck with, you know, $500,000 ticket. That's pretty good, man. Look at all stops are being pulled and people are doing the best to try to make sure not only this happens, but you'll be okay no matter what. And hopefully everything is okay. I mean, there's, it's more than just the drama between the, the two federations, but COVID who the hell freaking knows, man. Um, so yeah, if you're listening, there you go. SPD killing the game again. And so let's talk a little bit about, we talked briefly and this is kind of a lot. It's definitely along the same lines in terms of drama, in terms of suspensions, and in terms of like federations possibly splitting apart. Um, it's not just us. It's not just us. Our, I don't know if it's our brothers and sisters or if it's our cousins or if it's our cousins, second removed as we would refer to them, Olympic lifting to powerlifting. Um, but they got some drama over there themselves. Do you, do you want to say a little bit about it, Arian? I think you know about yeah. it more than I do. I mean, I don't know that much, uh, but I was trying to read up on it. But yeah, maybe they're like our older, cooler, big brothers and sisters. Like they're like, oh, you know, Powerlifters, bunch of losers over there in the corner. Hey, maybe we we yeah, they're they're the older brothers and sisters that like went to university and we graduated high school. Like yeah, we're we're you know. See students like we go to Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, and they're sponsored by like you know Coca Cola and Nike and all these things, and we're over here like no one will give us any money except for SPD. They're yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're the older siblings making over six figures. We just scrape them by, but it is what it is. But but it's well, somewhat. Why don't you tell us about how that's about to change, Arian? Go ahead. But yeah, it's somewhat relevant because people kind of use this as an example of like, oh, you know, water testing doesn't work or like, you know, trying to get into Olympics just means more people are going to try and cheat because, you know, uh, the International Weightlifting Federation has like, you know, tons of failures. And the problem with some other failures is like they figure them out four years later, eight years later, 12 years later. Oh, let's go back like two Olympic uh, games and find out who the real champion is now <laughs> based on, on new tests. And of course, we'd already mentioned a Russian doping scandal. So like they were all in on it. They're all getting paid and they were cheating the russian government was in on it the um the fed the federation president from hungary i believe like had a connection with the hungarian testing uh, uh agency there and he was like using them for world championships so he can like help in cheating stuff like that and i think i remember when uh the weightlifting worlds was in the u.s i believe in texas uh you uh usaw and, and made sure usada did the testing and like fought to not have the other ones come over because like they were kind of, I guess, aware of it or suspecting of it. So they made sure you saw it, did the testing because they're one of the best um, doping agencies in the world to be able to catch these people. And they caught like a lot more lifters. Nice. Um, but so they're dealing with, you know, all these issues with the Russian doping scandal, like on the verge of getting kicked out. And I guess maybe the IOC and WADA gave them all these changes they have to do. And it sounds like they had a vote and there was basically a split between like, you know, 
I guess you can call them the good countries that wanted, you know, better doping system and wanted to make these changes and stay in the Olympics. And then some of these like bad countries that like, you know, are cheating and I guess they don't want to do it and uh, they didn't get the vote they wanted. So now like they're saying like, you know, they're on the verge and they, they're saying that the IOC executive board has the power to suspend them from the 2024 Olympic Games. And it's saying that um, there's a I, IWF, International Weightlifting Federation Congress between August 28th and, and the 31st, where they could adopt the, uh, the new constitution. And it says if they don't, it says weightlifting is likely to be suspended at the next IOC executive board meeting on September 8th or on the one that follows on October 5th. So we could find out in the next couple of months that like either they're going to make these big changes and like completely change the way their organization is and uh, the testing and everything like that, or they could, you know, be suspended from the next Olympics. This is kind of fucking crazy for me. Digesting this. Now, first off, they literally have like if for them, they're if you've ever been to one of these Olympic weightlifting events, it's not like you might think you see the Olympics, but if you see their nationals, like us raw nationals is monstrous. You go to the Olympic weightlifting nationals. It's not like the participation rate and whatnot. I think we're even bigger. Are we not? I don't know their membership numbers either way. Okay. I don't want to get off topic. Anyway, but at their nationals, but their standards are so high. Like That's they, true. they do, they do yeah. like, um, like a moving scale every year where they basically only take a certain number of people in each weight class, I believe. So it's like the top 10, 15, 20, whatever it is. Whereas we're just like, yeah, hey, you want to pay us 200 bucks? Come on, let's fucking compete, bro. You know what? You're fair. Uh, that, that they, have a moving, <laughs> they have a moving marker that cuts it off. Uh, they estimate what they think the marker is for like um, 10 I'm just throwing that number out there. And if 12 make it fine, but they estimate it, you're right. You, you, you are right. Cause the same thing in Canada as well, but nonetheless, um, they're in the Olympics. And I got to think like, if you get kicked out of the, the only time I'm paying attention to the Olympic weightlifting is during Olympic years, every now and then at the world championships, maybe, but if you get kicked out of the Olympics and you're no longer Olympic weightlifting, you're just weightlifting. Cleaning and jerking and snatching is not the stuff that's going to be lighting the, the, the sports world on fire. We know how hard it is to get to John or that kind of following. If they get kicked out of the Olympics, they're no longer Olympic weightlifting. They're just weightlifting. Like who, I, I just think it's, I can't wrap my head around them voting to not put forth the changes, knowing what this means and be like, yes, we might get ejected from the Olympics, but we still don't want to go forward with the changes. The member nations that won't vote towards it be like, we will give up the Olympics, no longer be Olympic weightlifting. The whole history of the Olympics that we have with, with the return of the modern Olympics has weightlifting in it. We will be gone from that. And in terms of your funding, in terms like, like places like China and whatnot, if you're not in the Olympics or not, the government funding is going to show up. For a lot of these nations, if you're not in the Olympics, the government funding is going to show up. Why are they putting money to it? They want Olympic medals, Russia, China, US, the medal count. They want Olympic medals. They're not dropping all the state-of-the-art facilities like they have. If you're not bringing Olympic medals, all of the freaking sponsorships and everything, this is going to be gone if you're just straight up weightlifting. You think people are going to follow you snatch and clean and jerk? and you're not part of the Olympics, uh, they're more likely to follow CrossFit Games, you know, or Strongman or something. Like, 
all of this funding from the governments, the sponsorships, like, do they realize, like, you guys know what you're doing? Your relevancy is very much linked to Olympics. I don't know, man. It's, that's, a, that's a weird one for me that this is even a possibility that they're thinking about. Am I crazy? Repl- replace everything you just said and switch in USAPL and IPF and you have the same exact story, right? That's why, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's like, I don't understand why they don't want to be part of this federation, you know, to go to a world championship. I don't understand why, you know, they go, keep going through the whole thing. It's literally like almost step-by-step step, the same kind of argument you would have on both sides. So yeah, uh-huh. who the hell knows? Why wouldn't you want to be in the Olympics? Why don't you want to be in the IPF? I don't know, but clearly people don't want to do it. <laughs> uh- I, I wonder, like, we don't know the details as far as like what the changes are. And like, you know, maybe all of them are related to do- the doping scandal. Maybe some of them are like extra things they're trying to throw in there. And these people are like, no, we don't want those changes. We only want this one. So we don't know what exactly the reason was for saying no. But one can also be that like, you know, they were part of like the whole cheating. They're part of like the president who was like, you know, helping with all the cheating and stuff like that. And their mentality has always been like, maybe throw money at it. So they maybe think like, no, we're going to vote this stuff down. We're going to continue to fight. And maybe we'll like, you know, put money here, put money there, talk to this connection here, talk to that connection there and find a way to like, you know, continue to stay in the Olympics because I'm making changes. So who knows what's going on over there? It just seems like, it. yeah, I don't know, man. It seems short-sighted. It seems like um, if you're from a lot of these nations, the reason why you're getting so much funding and a push like and the reason why these other like russia has a has a really good powerlifting team but russia will fucking pull all stops for their olympic weightlifting if they think they got some champions you think putin is like watching the ipf world championships putin is not watching the ipf world championship stream but if powerlifting was in Dude, the he's olympics jacks, you kidding me come on well jack's on, a jack's a loose term all right, let's let's go easy. But and I'm not talking shit, just in case. Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm for the record, Putin. If this ever, for some fucking reason, if he's a powerlifting fan, I'm just saying, um, I'm gonna fucking timestamp that. I gotta edit. Just that. remember, I'm. I said he's jacked. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are listening to this. I gotta timestamp this uh, <laughs> and, and edit this out. But um, but yeah. So Putin. He's probably not paying attention to powerlifting because of that, but he probably is paying attention to all the medal count for the Olympics. So in terms of, and I'm just using him, but in terms of funding, it's going to be a monster blow. Like these nations got to know, listen, if you get popped out out of the Olympics and here's, and here's another way to look at it too. Let's have this discussion. All right. So these people, I, I assume, and I think we're probably on the same page. They're being short-sighted. Even like the USAPL leaving the IPF. And I appreciate the the uh, comparison there that Bill made. But even to that extent, isn't as drastic as like it may be down the road. Future could really shore up on them. But this, I think, is even bigger because I think there's when it comes to the Olympic funding in major corporations, there could be like millions of dollars involved. Right. Um, so. Let's say they do this for some freaking reason, they don't understand. Grass is always greener. People just take for granted what they got. It's crazy, but some people take for granted what they're got in every fucking relationship. You know, they're that guy married to that woman who's amazing and he can't fucking stop looking at other girls. It's like, my brother, you're going to ruin the best thing you got in your life. Let's say that's what they're doing right now. And, and they can't stop looking away. So they bounce. Does 
previously I could tell you, whenever I would talk about powerlifting and Olympics, people would be like, they're not going to put two barbell sports in there. They already got Olympic lifting. It's not going to happen. They're not doing Olympic lifting and powerlifting. It's too much. They would rather have a diversity, et cetera. You don't need that many Olympic sports. It's not that popular. They're covered. They're good. But if Olympic lifting's gone and strength sports is big, there's what other representation? Like strength sports is big. And, and it's always been a part of the Olympics, something to do with strength. And we are that other barbell sport. And in terms of doing all the right things, the IPF is doing all the right things. And in terms of like a federation, in terms of, you know, a for real global body. Look, I'm taking a look at like Sambo just got in. I'm a, I'm a big MMA guy, but Sambo as a global body, an amateur global body is not even close to powerlifting and it got into the Olympics. Um, there isn't even a Sambo Canada. Like it's, it's ragtag. It's nothing to like our nationals. If you look around the globe, this is the one it is. And, um, and same with the karate and whatnot. Like a powerlifting is very well put together and structured for, for sport. It is. If you don't think it is, do the research on some of these other global teams. Look at their nationals around the world and see how many nations have for real high-level national championships and they're already in the Olympics or they're vying to get in the Olympics. Powerlifting is far better off than a lot of us think. And I'm a bit of an Olympic guy. Am I talking crazy that the the Olympics, you think might be, Bill's already saying yes, yeah, yeah. that they might be like, let's have another barbell sport in. If, we, if these guys don't play ball and they're out, we can bring in your cousin who's in. You can be replaced. We want a barbell sport. We want a strength sport. We got somebody. Bill, what are you thinking? I like how you're just positive about everything, man. I really, really appreciate that about you. But I mean, it's not going to happen. Let me just talk about something else. Like, it's no, like we're not talking about nothing else. <laughs> we're not talking about it. Not yet. No, I mean, I just... Yeah, we're in the the world games. That's great. We do well at that. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay, they just bump us over from the world games to the Olympics. Okay, I'll, I'll, yeah. I, I think the chances are slim to none, but the chances is not zero. Let's put it that way. Because that they do that, they do, um, and they've done that for like the world games is obviously IOC recognized and affiliated, and they take sports from the world games over to the Olympics before they've done that several times over. Usually the world games is the tester and they see how it looks, see how it appears. The world games is equipped. Fuck my life. If that's, <laughs> if they, if Bill's not laughing, but he's like, what's the problem. But if they're like, <laughs> we're taking equipped powerlifting over to the Olympic Olympics, everybody and their mothers flipping back into the equipment. But I don't think, I think honestly, if it's going to be one way, it's going to be anyways, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Arian, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot there to uh, digest and discuss. Forget about everything about <laughs> I said about equipment. Let's stay on the original thought. <laughs> but, but like I'm saying, like there's, I mean, I don't, I don't follow the Olympics enough. I, I don't know anything about their governance or their plan and stuff like that. People just assume that like, if they take weightlifting out, they're going to put powerlifting in. But why can't they just take weightlifting out and have nothing else in its place? Like, why do they need to fill in that spot? Or they could, you know, add more athletes or events to other things, track and field, swimming, you know, ping pong, kumite, sambo, who knows? So it, it doesn't mean just because they're taking one out that they're going to put the other one in. And if they're going to take weightlifting out because they have a serious doping problem, they may think that like, okay, powerlifting already has drug testing failures. 
if we make an Olympic sport and put all this money into it, there's going to be a lot more failures and it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same doping issue. So why will we just repeat the, the, the same process? Like why will we make the same mistake again? So there's lots of things there. And even if it, even if it is okay, we lift things out 2024, uh, the Olympics is looking for another barbell sport. I, I don't know what the IPF is thinking because as far as what Larry and the USAPL have said and what the IPF has, I believe on their website for their plans, stuff like that is, they want to get the IOC recognition, but for now, they like being in the World Games. They want to be the top sport in the World Games rather than being the bottom sport in the Olympics. Now, I don't know what kind of pros and cons there are to that as far as like how many athletes you get, what kind of time slots you get, what kind of viewership you get, everything like that. Um, and maybe if they did have the opportunity, they would say, okay, you know, it's worth it to make the switch. But as of now, their plan is like, let's keep building up our our platform with the world games we got on the olympic channel they're getting more athletes in there you know maybe they're getting more money everything like that so i i, I don't know like like bill said you and maybe some other people being very positive but then those people that have been around for 20 30 40 years are like it's never happening like powell team's been trying for so long the ipf has been trying since 1999 or whatever like it's never happening well let me let me rebuttal one that last little piece for a second there those people who've been around for 20, 30, 40 years, because they've been around longer, sometimes we assume like they know because they've seen how long and they're like, uh, we've been saying this for the past 30, 40 years. These are the same guys who never would have even conceived what our live streams are now, what our platforms are now on social media and like all the rest of it. Like it's not off of their old backs that a lot of this stuff is taking place. Like this is new innovation and we've made so much ground in the last two, three years that we've all seen. We, we just, look, we've been around, we're 10 plus year veterans. And I could tell you the last two years, it's been well, fucking COVID, but you understand, you follow me. It's been phenomenal what we've seen and the progress we've made. And let you mentioned the Olympic channel. I can tell you right now, what, what matters a lot is viewership. In the Olympic channel, usually you get your, you get a kick at the, a lot of stars are aligning here, gentlemen, okay? We ended up being on the Olympic channel for the first time at the last IPF world championships. And they wanted to see, it's like a tester, how we were going to do. And I remember everybody in the IPF media team knew about it. And I remember the head guy, Eric group talking to us about it being like, this is kind of a big deal. I had to do a pitch to the Olympic channel. And, um, you, you know, you got to argue your way on there. Cause we're not an Olympic sport in the Olympics. And usually the Olympic channel people tune in for like world champ, like track, Usain Bolt, these are some big names, big Olympic sports on the Olympic channel. They're going to give us a go. We're up there like that. Let's hope we get those ratings. And we'll probably be lost in a shuffle, but it's really cool to be a part of that. Like the Netflix for sports like that. Never did we think the Olympic channel was going to be retweeting us daily and sending messages being like, holy shit, the ratings. Like we murdered it. We had a, we had a meeting afterwards, all shaking hands, like, holy smokes, we murdered it. We like other sports are getting like Olympic sports that people probably wouldn't care about unless it's an Olympic year. We're getting slaughtered by us. We're not in the Olympics at all. So in terms of that, if the Olympics is paying attention and watching, they do think there's something there. And previously there was somebody in the way that person might not be in the way. And there is some, there is some movement here and we're, we're showing that. If somebody isn't water compliant, they're going to go. Well, here's the, so real quick before you go on that, the IPF has never been water compliant because they've had USAPL 
in you know under them. Last 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 loose end we're tying up right now. Probably. Right. So if so, that's a huge huge issue here. If we're talking about you know Olympic weightlifting is not being water compliant, the IPF has never been water compliant because of the USA, because of the USAPL. You're, you're, and that's a good point. That's a fair point. But that's why this is ever so important that this gets handled. This is the type of stuff that Gaston's got to face all the time. Not just Gaston. I shouldn't bring it down to one guy, but the IPF. <laughs> um, and I shouldn't, I'm, you know, I keep saying Larry, but it is USAPL. It's more than just him. So I don't mean to be disrespectful. That's true. They have a lot of things on their plate where it's like, look at if this window opens up and things start aligning, things happen, man. You don't think Sambo, you don't think for like years, everyone's like Sambo. Who do you guys know anybody who trains in San- well fucking Bill does? I do. <laughs> I mean, this conversation. You're the wrong guy to be in the room for this. But I can I can tell you right now, like I am into like MMA boxing and I go to jujitsu the whole nine. And Sambo is not very prevalent. It's in terms of globally, it's it's got pockets for sure, but it isn't like like in terms of powerlifting, where we're at, we're in a better place than people might suspect. And we just need opportunity. And sometimes you, people don't see, like you, do you think the Sambo president and all of those people, you don't think 10 years ago, five years ago, six years ago, they weren't like, you're not going to get into the fucking Olympics. You're Sambo. They already got judo. They already got Taekwondo boxing and all the rest of it. You're not getting into the Olympics. Who does Sambo? This is, you're not, Sambo is going to be an Olympic sport. And so here's, so here's, yeah. So basically, you know, I, I train, um, one guy who, who was a, a world champ. He's a master and open world champ in, in Sambo. And, um, you know, he's been to, you know, to Hungary to do it. He's been to, you know, all over the world, Tokyo, whatever. And he basically, like, you go to these world championships and they're in high school gyms. There you go. Right? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, you know, five, six, eight guys in each weight class, you know, at Holy the most fuck. kind of thing. Right, like, it's it's... I, I couldn't believe like I was like you flew all the way to Tokyo to compete in this thing. He's like, yeah, but it's world championships, blah blah, whatever. And you know, it's literally in your high school gymnasium. Like you know, there's one ring set up and they have a competition. The next, you know, like just keep rolling them out, rolling them out, rolling them out like that. And you know, the product that the IPF and the USAPL and the CPU and all these other national championships, not, let alone the world championships are way bigger, way nicer than, you know, the, what the, what Sambo's put out there. Um, but you know what, good on them. They're in the Olympics now and they're, I'm sure they're going to have more money influxed into it and be able to do more oh, yeah. with it for sure. But it's May, not like, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, may Ryan need some more Dagestani friends. Listen, um, and I, again, hey, listen, I, can't, I ain't talking shit if I run into Habib for some reason. But um, what I want to say is so, yeah, it, to Bill's point, in that Sambo, it, but there are uh, so many sports we just assume because they're in the Olympics. And we're like, people just naturally shit talk, like like powerlifting a little bit, like we're not a real, a real sport or whatever. You know how much more real we are than a lot of these sports in the Olympics. If you actually see their national championships and world championships when it's not Olympic year, we're not talking track. We're talking like water polo you think the u.s national water polo championships is a fucking hot sell or and and people like it's it's difficult we're not considering where we are not being olympic sport is extremely impressive and it isn't that crazy to think that the olympic committee wouldn't consider us when they've when they're putting in mutai kickboxing when they're putting in sambo when they're putting in old like kumite they're putting all these different sports that 
tell me how many people we know that do karate and do like, you know, it's, it's not as prevalent worldwide. And um, in terms of the infrastructure for the different nationals and the participation rates at different nationals, we're, we're sitting, we're sitting a lot better. than I think people think I am, you're 100% right, Bill. I am a fucking hopeless romantic and I've always been my whole life. Okay. There's a reason why I'm a motivational speaker too. I haven't done it in a while, but how I would do this. Cause this is just the way I, I, I know, I know dog. I'm like I'm that optimist guy, but I do see that there is a pathway and it's not entirely crazy. Who knows, man, but imagine this, this is, this is for the girlfriend that might be breaking up with us. All right. USAPL, you leave. Okay. But we might just get a fucking sweet gig with the Olympics. And next time you see us, you're going to be wish you didn't leave us. <laughs> okay. You're going to be like, oh, no, my man is doing good. He got that job promotion he was always talking about. And I never thought he was going to get. I break up with him and the job promotion comes down the pipeline. And we're all, and, and that million dollar buddy's coming in. Okay. And your boy's not just commentating the IPF live stream. I'm on NBC Playboy. <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know ryan what if like you know weightlifting gets kicked out in september and then like you know the ioc comes to the ipf and says hey we're gonna bring in powerlifting and then usapl is like okay we'll comply yeah, yeah we'll, we'll have to think on that well, one. they have to do that before the uh before the um whatchamacallit comes down the oh i guess they could right because they just pay the fine and be like yeah we're, we're in we're, good. we're in <laughs> yeah there's but, nothing legally binding about that paragraph larry wrote about you know we should we should separate you know, like but but uh some of the re rebuttals i was going to say ryan to your rebuttal is that like you know sometimes like there, there's like there's like trends and waves and you know culture Trend? sports or whatever like stuff like that and like you know some people say like history history repeats and yeah those people that have been around 20 30 40 years ago would have never expected like the way powerlifting is but like some of that stuff didn't exist when you know dave ricks was competing in the 80s there was no internet for him to be like oh there should be live streaming and you know we should be course, on youtube yeah. it's like that but you know back then powerlifting was on national tv they did have a me i think it was like a hawaii record breaker or something like that sponsored by like budweiser and stuff like that so you know they did have some like you know stuff like that that we no longer have now and now we're kind of trying to build back up through like you know online live streaming and instagram and stuff like that so there are there were some things back then where powerlifting was out more to the masses and kind of like died off the and like mountain the mountaineer cup right it was on espn hmm. yeah so there was so there was stuff like that and then the other thing I was going to mention too was as far as like obviously the IOC is considering powerlifting because we are in the World Games and they are submitting an application every year and communicating with them what changes so they technically have to you know look at the application and kind of consider them. But like the last time I think they picked team that picked the uh, sports I think they picked two or four World Games sports to switch over and powerlifting was not one of them. It's like we don't know how many requirements were still behind because it's not just this drug testing. It's been years and years of them saying, Oh, you need like, you know, more females on your commissions. Oh, you need to have this commission for youth lifters. Oh, you need to have this commission for this thing. You need to switch your constitution to say these specific things. You need to switch your bylaws. And now they're also saying, okay, you have to be water compliant. You need to do this. So I don't know how many more things powerlifting has to hit to hit like the minimum requirement to be like, okay, we'll take you in. What if like, let's say again, uh, weightlifting gets kicked out for 2024 and they're looking for another sport but the ipf hasn't hit all the requirements yet their their application is still not good enough so then they go find someone else and kind of lose the opportunity so 
it, it's it's hard to know how many more things we have to do and whether the the IOC just keeps putting in new things. Oh, you guys should have to go do this now. Come back later. Oh, okay, now you have to go do this now. Come back <laughs> later and just keeps kicking the can down the road. Yeah, I mean, no, it, it is fair point. And, and it's, uh, you have to have both sides. You have to look at it from both. It, it is, I mean, one could argue that we're getting closer and closer, but then you're right. What if it's, there's always something we got to work on. And there's all, all these other federations that are also working on themselves, bettering themselves as well. So we'll have to see, man. It, it's, uh, I don't know. You, you need to strive though. I don't, I don't believe we, we stay in one spot. And there is a reason why, we do certain things when people ask, like, like when you look at the U S raw nationals and it, and it appears a certain way, 100%, it's like, okay, the graphics were a little much this year, but like, usually it's a rock star event and it's pretty cool. But when you watch the IPF, it won't be next year. Oh, I know. Shit, son. <laughs> Bill gets sassy as the night goes on. <laughs> you, you, you talk about me getting sassy. God damn. Yeah, you're yeah. <laughs> look at Bill's face. All right. Okay. <laughs> Let me I just lost my train of thought here with this one line is coming in like an action hero. You're, you're talking um, about like the IPF's uh, professional style versus USAPL. Thank you, love. Thank you. So um yeah, in terms of when you look at the IPF and it's like, um, why why was it a big deal if if Gino was on the platform? commentating he's not wearing the official gear well, i gotta bring gino into this it's Come this on, is bro. dog i love gino i've Come no on. i see gino every year for the world championships it's not it's i'm going somewhere with this it's not about gino but why is that a big deal or why can't we uh like in terms of lifters having their flags on the podiums etc they're following suit to appear as close as possible to what you'll see at the olympics so if there's certain rules or certain things that they're like we need to get closer and closer to this and, um, and here's some, some boxes we have to check that we've been told, listen, this is what we expect to see. You, it's, you have to try. <laughs> this is my attitude towards it. You got to push. And I get it. I respect if someone says you can waste time and resources pushing towards something if it never happens. I got you. But it's not the way I look at things and see things. So like Bill's already said, right? I'm not a hopeless romantic and optimist in terms of this. But I I believe in pushing and I do believe the window's there. And I'm fucking telling you, if we get in, there's going to be some people with a I got gotcha you moment coming <laughs> who turn around and be like, now you see why we had to do what we had to do. Um, but you, it's worth it to push. But even even... If we never make it into the Olympics, I've said it before and I'll say it again, being part IOC recognized and, and with WADA and all the different organizations that were with the World Games, et cetera, a lot of nations will still help out in terms of funding for these organizations. And a lot of startup federations we've had across the world needed this to help get that startup going. And so there's more to it than just that. It's not if you don't make any Olympics, it's all for nothing. We, we have a lot going while reaching out there, just being on the world games, a lot of people who aren't, I know in the, in North America, maybe we're not as into the Olympic channel, but I promise you, I did research because I'm into the Olympics on popular sports in Europe, Russia, et cetera. And some of it is fucking like badminton and some of these Nordic countries is downhill skiing and shit. And I shit you not, when you're on the Olympic channel and you pot and you have world championships, 
world championships on there. You are now recruiting from European and Asian nations, whereas the America and Canada is already pretty stacked with powerlifting. We need these other nations to be far more competitive and to be pulling from them. Appearing in the Olympic channel is a piece of it. Some of these Olympic sports do have a following over there. Um, so this is, it's, it's more than just if we never make it on the Olympics, these other jumps up steps up we've taken are expanding the sport. Each there's a reason why the IPF is so fucking huge with all these federations. So anyways, I just wanted to throw out there because some people do word it at you never make to the Olympics. This is all for naught. You've done it all for no reason. Well, no, that's not, that's not entirely true either. Yeah, I mean, definitely the IPF has improved in like, you know, their their live stream with getting Viva TV and doing like, you know, more lifter profiles, different angles, replays, all that stuff like that, getting on Olympic channels like that. Commentators but, suck, though. <laughs> I knew it. I knew Sassy Bill was waiting for but, us. But then that also comes down to um, what's the way to do it and what kind of style do you want to go with? Because some people might say, you know, that more of that Olympic style with like, you know, the boring music and, the, and that kind of stuff, you don't have as much flash to it then that's not getting the viewership. And what if you went and first build up the viewership and, you know, went more over the top, like USAPL tries to do, or like a professional sports in a year in the U S you have like, you know, you have a crazy announcer in the stadium that knows all the different players has different sayings. Same thing with the UFC. You have like, you know, cheerleaders or around girls, you got a halftime show. You, you do all this stuff to bring in the viewers and watch and build up the stories. And then you get the sponsors. And then from there, then you're a big enough sport and they may consider you. So some people think like, that's what power things should be doing. That's what the IPF should be doing. Trying to push more of like the fun aspect, getting people to watch. Maybe you try and get on like Twitch and have people commenting and put comments on the, on there. Like again, UFC does with, with their Twitter, people posting on there. Maybe people do donations, all that kind of stuff. Then you can say like, Hey, look at this viewership we have. Look at this package that we have. And we'll do a more professional version for Olympics. Like again, when the NBA, when they go over to team team uh, USA for USA basketball, they go Olympics. It's a little bit different than the NBA. I think it's a, vi- that's a viable point. I think um, the worlds you couldn't do that with because the they're already on the Olympic channel. We're, we're past that in terms of like, if you they just wouldn't have made it on the Olympic channel if you went that route. And this is that, that was a big step. But I do think you have a good point where four things like us raw nationals. Now I know that wasn't the sticking point. The IPF isn't like, you know, you have to change how you do your own federations and stuff. So I do think like, there's plenty of room for that for like the nations to have the, you, they're like not us raw nats, but their respective nationals, the Arnold classic um, Sheffield was probably going to do their, I, who knows how they're going to end up doing it. Um, but it's not going to look exactly like the IPF world championships. They're going to have press conferences in the whole nine. Right. So I do, you make good points. I think um, that is an excellent way of doing it. Sheffield it was a unique, they had head-to-head showdowns between like Kimberly Walford and Anna Rosa and, and Brett Gibbs and Russ were going to have their trilogy matchup to break the even score. And then they had like, you know, everything I was saying that was nothing like the feel of the Olympics. Um, so I do think powerlifting, I think you could do both at the exact same time, kind of like you're saying, as opposed to changing the worlds i think we're past that because um the ioc is already paying attention and that's the only reason why we got onto the olympic channel but the other ones i think we i think we could go hand in hand doing it Uh, you make a good point i think i think that's why sheffield's going to be bonkers when it happens for recruiting people and and getting viewership um arnold classic we'll see what the heck happens this year well the arnold classic's not going to happen anymore because usapl will have that so that won't be a part of the ipf 
we'll franchise see, anymore. Well, we'll see. I mean, we'll, I mean, he just what do you mean? Well, well, how, how many powerlifting feds are at the uh, Arnold right. right now, though? There's a lot of feds, uh, though. Three. It, because so so it doesn't mean that the new fed can't come. Like, would they bar them and say you can't be at the Arnold? I mean, if there's already spots taken up and all that, I mean, there's not infinite amount of room there. That's true. I, I'm I'm right. saying we'll see as though. I, I know your point, USAPL is there, but it doesn't mean another because there's other like a bunch of other feds there. Like historically speaking, there's we've seen quite a bit there. We'll we'll see how the different years. We don't even have another fed yet, but if there's inroads and we'll see how it all plays out. So right? I mean, there's the USA doesn't exist in January first, so yeah, we're all by ourselves. <laughs> Independent contractors looking for a place <laughs> to go. Independent contractors. But uh, yeah, I don't like know. little orphan Annie, right? Like it's a hard knock life. Oh, by, by ourselves, man. Just waiting I for someone it, to come scoop us up. That's it. We'll see how it all shakes up, my friends. Um, do we have anything else we want to? Do we have any sports-related topics? Uh, I was just gonna say you can see. We'll continue on this. I was just gonna say you can see Gino at the North American Championships this week sitting behind the scoring table wearing his ipf uniform and not getting on the platform what is that right say word he did he he did it i'm at the last north american championships followed all the rules wore his uniform it's gonna do it again oh wow and um and that's ipf yeah so it's an international competition we're gonna have the boring uh copyright free music going and no lights and and no gino going crazy you're really selling this to me. Yeah. <laughs> we got we got a couple of good Canadian lifters competing. No US. It's, yeah, <laughs> dude, this is sounds. This is wow. This sounds like a mega meet, dude. I, I'm, I'm surprised I haven't heard about it before. I mean, uh, Bryce Krawcheck's gonna pull a world record deadlift. You know what? No, honestly, I joke and I kid, but. There is a bit of a, a storyline there where there's a few people who are actually contenders going to the IPF due to COVID, had not been able to participate, and the North American Championships is actually going to be a bit of an indicator on what they might be bringing to the table at Worlds, a bit of a preview, even if they don't go all out, or maybe they do go all out, and they can recover in time, but Bryce Crotch. Or they go to Florida, they get sick, they miss their training in the last five weeks and can't go to Worlds. Yeah. Well, then there's also those. Then there's also that possibility. This is Florida. That's it. Listen, the 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 good thing about it is is that the hotel is at the airport. Boom! They fly into the airport. They take the escalator up. They can go sit in the room, not talk to anyone. And then on the day of their session, they just come compete. Everyone's got to wear a mask, and they go back into the room, and they go yeah, back no, to Canada. There's no banquet. Right. You're right. Just for God's sake, yes, yeah, stay in your hotel room and do your damn thing in there. Play video Except for the part where there's people from all over the world flying into Orlando to go to Disney for the week. Well, yeah, spread well, shit everywhere. But yeah, there's that, also, <laughs> don't go to Disney. It is a <laughs> yeah. The airport though, yeah, the, it is a tough one. Who who's going there besides Bryce, who's obviously a contender in the one twenties? Was there someone else you had mentioned? S- some of the top people for the men's side, I'm looking at first for the 93s is this guy from Guyana, Carlos, uh, Carlos Peterson Griffith, 795 uh, nominated total. And I think he actually got into the nominations for, for Classic World. So he's going to be doing that next. So we'll see how he does. Um, for the 120s, you have Bryce Krawcheck. Uh, he said he's going to go conservative, but probably, you know, chip the world record deadlift and then just do more at Worlds. 
for 120 plus your boy Eric Willis. We'll see what he does. See how that plays out for the 120 former, pluses. Wor- former world champion, man. On the women's side, uh, the 47s. I hope I pronounced her last name right. Simone Lai, uh, 366 in the 47s. I believe she's nominated for world. So we'll see. You know how close she gets to 400. Then um, 76s is Christine Castro, and she, I believe, is nominated for 69s for worlds. That's a comedian. Yeah, she's yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what she weighs in at, what her total is. She can always, you know, then before final nominations, maybe switch and stay in the 76s if she likes her performance, or maybe she is very light and continues to cut down the 69s, and we'll kind of get an idea of where her total is at. Those are the uh, the big names on the uh, raw dog side. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a bit of a preview for some of these people, and they haven't competed in a couple of years because of COVID. So, um, this is just kind of like break the ice and see where they're at, especially Bryce, who's moved up a weight class. And I'm very interested in seeing what he's going to do. He's been yeah. in the 120s for a minute as an equip, though, right? We, is this yeah. his first classic? Yeah. So, like, in terms of where he is in the classic, we're not sure what's going gotcha. to happen. Like his uh, nominee is squats 295. And I think he said on YouTube, he wants to do something over between like 305 and 310. His nominee Delph is like 360. And I think maybe he wants to do like whatever the record is, 373 or whatever, 375 now, and then go like 380 plus at world. So it'll be interesting to see. Hmm. Yeah. Let's we'll see, especially with Bryce and, and a couple of them. Yeah. Um, their totals will be a good indicator, a little preview show, if you will. Anything else we should discuss, fellas? Any off topics? We were some chatty Cassie's, Kathy's last night, stamped at two o'clock in the morning. We need we need you to condense your list of favorite sports documentaries because every single documentary, when we we're having the discussion, you're like, oh yeah, that one's great, I love it. Oh, that one's great, I love it. Oh, that one's great. Give us like you know your top three, top two. Yeah, sure. Off the top of my head right now. Do it right now. Right now. Freestyle it off the dome. Um, I, I fell in love with The Last Dance. Michael Jordan. I fell in love with that. Um, it, uh, the reason why, when it, when it wrapped up, his father was murdered. And him and his dad were very close. His dad like was never missing any of the, the championship. Like, they, they were close, and he was... He, he took some time off to digest and did the baseball thing, and then he came back. If you believe that and don't believe the conspiracy theories about the other oh, stuff. Well, they touch on that in this documentary. Yeah, they touch that's on what that. I'm saying. I mean, like, it's, you know. But, listen, so. See, Mr. Brightside over here and then Mr. You know, reality <laughs> over here. But he comes back, and the, when the very first. Was up, the very first joke, yeah, you sound right. Yeah. <laughs> this is the editor's cut Bill's given us. Um, in the very first championship without his father when he came back, the championship game to win it all falls on Father's Day. And you couldn't write a better, like, dramatic, holy shit. And his family's there. And it wasn't like his dad died of old age or they seen it coming. It was a battle that they saw coming. He was fucking murdered in cold blood, you know? So he's it, the championship. Hap- it's the first championship without his father. And he's going through that, looking off into the stands and seeing his mother there alone, sisters there, and there he's not there. 
in the championship game falls on the first father's day without his father. The championship is on father's day and it shows him in the uh, interviews before the game. And he was like, he was a fucking rock. And his family's like, I, he, they are talking about him. Like he is our rock. Like he's so strong. It's hard to not feel strong around him. Some people in life, you have that when you're around them and shit, it's the fan like that. And you see them being strong. You're like, I feel stronger with them around. I've seen it in terms of like my family, friends and um, whatever. Some people else might have. That was Jordan for them. And when he did what he did in that final game, held it the fucking gather, won the team, won the game, put up some crazy points like he always does, showed up and showed out. And then it shows him run into the back, break down because he couldn't hold it together anymore. He, he held it together as long as he could, as best as he could, right up until the end, and he could not hold it together anymore. And he broke down, hit the ground, and just fucking wept. And it was like, and it's tough to see a grown man cry. And he was like, you knew that was it, man. That, that, when I seen that, I was like, that's a fucking phenomenal dog. You couldn't have, they were lucky they were around when it happened. They weren't fault. You don't know this is going to happen. And they just recorded it all. And it's like, holy shit. Phenomenal, dude. I don't know anybody watches that. He doesn't see that section is like, holy smokes. That's tough. That's tough, man. Anyways, that's my top three fellas. Give me one of your was, top three. Was that with just one? I was going to say, though, before you go to your next one, I was going to say maybe it's recency bias, but also it could be like, you know, unfair battle because some documentaries like, you know, an hour or two hours long last dance is like, you know, multiple episodes, right. eight, like nine hours, hours, right? Yeah, something <laughs> yeah. like that. So like, you know, you can get a lot more into it, but it also could be like, it's one of the more recent ones I saw, but I kind of have to put that at the top one. It's a combination. Like, you know, we grew up watching those bulls. For me, Scotty Pippen was my, my favorite player. So you get to obviously see like Scotty's side in, in there as well. And like, you know, you just get so much more behind the scene footage and stories. Who the fuck's favorite player is Scotty Pippen? I was thinking that for a second there, but bless his heart. Arian is so different. <laughs> I love it. Arian is, is that fucking quirky kid that you're like, I got to know this. Thing for, for, first of all, it's Arian the contrarian, as you guys know. And second, because, you know, he, he, I mean, they, they all worked hard and stuff like that, but he's the guy like, you know, he was like the enforcer on defense and everything like that. He like played second <laughs> fiddle. He did his job. You know, he worked hard, hustled, everything like that. And then when it came his chance to like, you know, then shine, he came and became the leader and like, you know, dominated all the stats around like that. Scotty yeah. Pippen was always my, my, my favorite player. Yeah. I, I respect you know, everyone. Everyone loves Jordan. Everyone loves Kobe. Everyone loves LeBron. <laughs> Pippen. Um, it, it, I also, it, the reason why that documentary you're right that we all are nostalgic if you grew up hearing about the Bulls. And even if you're younger, so you didn't grow up during it, like legendary, you hear the stories of it. However, it's really hard to tell a story when everybody already knows the story. Everybody already knows how, there, there's how much material has been put out by Jordan in the 90s Bulls at this point. So when you put out a documentary, I entered this being like, what are you going to tell me that I haven't already heard or we haven't already seen or we, we know, we get it. There's no mystery behind it. The fact that we went in there with that and it still fucking was so impactful in the ratings on it and everybody's like, holy shit, that is difficult to tell me a story I already know and, and to catch me. And I'm like, damn, I already knew who's going to win this game, but you set that up nicely, you know? Um and you're right, though. Like, Pippen, there's something to also be said about the guy who's like, 
isn't the star, but toils away and like is the backbone. And and when Jordan left, and and when his father was murdered, Scotty stepped up. You know, the guy, the underdog, who steps up. That's you had that in in the Last Dance as well. A bit of the Rocky story where. As long as Jordan's there, but Jordan actually stepped away and it opened up the room for Pippen to step in there and be like, let me show you. Let me show you. You think I'm just number two? Let me show you what happens when I step up. And he, he was he was American Fools too. Like he was a star. If he was on any other team, he would have been the number one player in the star. So it actually proved that the Bulls needed him. He helped get them into the playoffs for them to do their damn thing. So it was like, it was good, man. It, it really, it really was good. I, I don't know. Did you say... Did you say the documentary though? Did you have a documentary? You have a documentary that you want to throw out there yourself, Ariad? Well, I was going to just say for number one, it's the last dance. I don't know if Bill wants to go with that. Is it as well? One. Okay. Well, there we go. How about you, Bill? Yeah, probably pumping iron probably for me. I mean, I've seen that thing <laughs> yeah, like fucking fair. a thousand times. I mean, that's fair. Um, that's fair. Yeah. It's, I don't know if it's, it's definitely not the best made documentary of all time, but just Arnold and, you know, the, the path we have all chosen of, you know, lifting weights for, you know, our major hobby. Like, yeah, of course it's fucking pumping iron for sure. Um, just cause it meant the most to me kind of thing. You know what I mean? It wasn't the best documentary, but it was good, on, I'm, I'm watching it. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Listen, the reviews on it, like it, not just like fanboy now, cause I know we're iron guys, but the reviews on it are fucking fantastic. Like, like for real film reviews are like, it's very good. And it, it was made in the early, early seventies or no late seventies, early eighties. Like now I think 79 ish. Anyways, it's, it, it's still viewable and stacks up now to this day. And now in a, we have docu-series where you can have, like, you don't have to condense into 90 minutes to two hours. They, they told the entire story in 90 minutes to two hours they didn't follow Arnold for every single one of his titles. And then, you know, so they could do it like Jordan. They had to do one title and double back to tell a story leading into a lot more difficult. And after 40 plus years and just one episode, essentially, it still stacks up. 100% it stacks up. And they were lucky because they got a guy as charismatic as Arnold Schwarzenegger, who fucking murdered it on that. Like he was so charismatic. Um yeah, it, it's crazy when you see Arnold in the 70s and he was like, um, they were like, what do you want to do next? He's like, I want to do acting. And they're like, you have the the most, this is the 70s where no one really lifted weights like the, back in the day, the general population anyways. They're like, you have the most insane body. There's not a single leading man that looks like you. You're a freak. And they use the term freak. Nobody can pronounce your last name. Nobody can remember your last name. And you have a super thick accent. So you'll always be a villain or something like we can't use you for diet. You can't deliver those charming notes. And he's like, well, we'll see. And then he became the number one box office champ. And then in the same point when they said, so what are you going to do after you're done your acting? He's like, I know it's crazy, but I would like to get into politics. And they're like, (laughs) you just got here. (laughs) They're like, you literally got here from Germany fucking yesterday. And you're talking about Austria. like, well, Austria, then Germany, then, then, uh, but you're right. Originally from Austria. And then he's, uh, and, um, he was also a power lifter, by the way. Uh, you guys read his autobiography. Mm-hmm. I read, um, new Testament and old Testament. He wrote two autobiographies. Um, so his old Testament was from 1980. New Testament was from the early two thousands. Both of them fabulous, but, uh, yeah, man, it's, a uh, that's a, that's a solid pick. 
yeah for pumping iron i think fuck man i should probably have that somewhere in my top as well uh, i was gonna mention though the whole reason this uh topic came up and why i was thinking about it was because a new documentary popped up on netflix i guess it's part of some kind of series called untold and this one episode was about uh the malice at the palace with the whole uh pistons and the pacers fighting and the and they're going in the crowd and and the whole fallout that so I, I like that style of documentary like with the bulls with the last dance of this one of like getting like inside knowledge of like how it happened like how it came together how close it was to like you know maybe this team not being put together in the case of that one the pacers like how close they were to winning and all kind of fell apart because it was like one event and where their careers went afterwards and like how they all like you know are no longer where they were like that was their peak and everything was just downhill or, or like, you know, some, some players may have like then gone on to other teams and some players like, you know, stayed. So it is interesting just to see like the whole story and plot line, but it, it was all right. It wasn't, it wasn't anything special. The other recent one that I would put like a top one, maybe number two is called athlete a, which just seemed like you hadn't, you hadn't heard about it or seen yeah. it, which is all, it was the whole scandal about USA gymnastics and the guy, Larry Nasser, who was like sexually abusing all the women and stuff like that. So that's like a whole different style documentary where you get like this whole story that you didn't know, like all this covering up that they were doing and this whole thing that like everyone watches the Olympics, everyone watches the USA gymnastics. They, they, they love how great they are and how well they do and how the, the talent, everything like that. And they love the, the personalities, the athletes and stuff, but they didn't know all this stuff was secretly happening underneath. And then now you get like the whole story come out. So it was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's like a, the untold story and it's like everything was okay at the, at the, on the surface. It's like, a, it's a story that, uh, yeah, you thought you knew essentially. Right. And not like the Jordans, but like, it's like way deeper than that. Way darker than that. I don't know if like, I necessarily like the dark ones. <laughs> I like to watch it be inspired. Although you can have, um, some inspiration from people battling back from that as well. Um, there was a, here's another one that I liked. I'm an MMA guy, obviously. And um, the, I don't know if you, have you guys seen the Conor McGregor Notorious? No. It's on Netflix. Okay. It's highly rated, but here's where things get crazy. These guys started following around Conor McGregor when he was a plumber. And um, they were just going to follow a guy who's an MMA fighter and just do like a local, he was a local nobody MMA fighter who was like really had like cocky and had some gumption. And they thought they were just going to follow around a guy and talk about a brutal sport. And they're like, he's on the regional level in Ireland anyways, which wasn't a hotbed for uh, MMA. And they're like, let's just follow this guy around and we'll talk about how brutal it is and we'll never get past this regional end, but it'll be, he's, he's very charismatic, a character. So he'll give us good juicy quotes and it'll be like at a local film festival. And the guy they fucking chose happened to be Conor McGregor. If you are a documentary filmmaker and these guys like, like, let's say we were doing a documentary and we got X amount of funding us we would strike it fucking rich and hit gold if of all the people we find the next Conor McGregor and they didn't even have a Conor McGregor and what he became is the biggest MMA star in terms of reach that they've ever seen. If you happen to have picked him of all the regional guys you're going to follow around, it's like, holy shit that we get lucky. And the reason why the documentary is interesting is they got him when he's super humble and he's talking all this shit and you see the rise and it just <laughs> happens to, you, you strike gold and get lucky. Another one that I liked that isn't sports related is Ghost of Silly Soleil. 
which is about the slums in um, Haiti. And it's about gang warlords. And it is absolutely phenomenal. And it's two. Every slum has a warlord. And this one, only one. There can only be one king, is what they always say. In this one particular slum, there's two brothers. And they're both kings, but they both don't trust each other. And they both fall in love with the same girl. And, um, and it comes to a head in the, like, like this sounds like a fucking movie, but it comes to a head like on video and there's like shootouts. There's like, it's the most insane thing you're ever going to watch. And it's like a Hollywood movie caught on film. And the ending is like, holy, the ending is, you know, obviously not going to spoil it for you. It's been out there for like 25 years, but still goes to city. So if you ever get the chance, it's phenomenal. So somehow Ryan just goes on a tangent to like, we're going to talk about sports documentaries and then, he all of a sudden goes into some, you know, warlord love triangle That's right. movie. Like, so, um, <laughs> so talking about MMA um, or, you know, fighting documentaries, there's a one called Knuckle. Have you ever, guys ever seen this? No, yeah. I haven't seen okay. it. This is, it's phenomenal. So basically it starts off with the guy who's filming it was hired to film an, uh, an Irish traveler's wedding. Okay. <laughs> Um, and he's just, he's filming this wedding and he kind of goes out back and he sees like, there's just two dudes having a fight from the wedding. <laughs> and like, literally it's basically about these Irish traveling families and how they have bare knuckle boxing matches together. It's, it's literally like snatch in real life. If you see snatch. <laughs> yeah. So like they literally have these like bare knuckle boxing matches for like thousands and thousands of like these families will put all their money together and bet on their champion, right? They're the head of their, their your traveling clan or whatever it is to go against it and then they have like the second in command fights the second like they kind of go that way so it's like a whole card but no one's there to but no one's there to watch these things because it just turns into like these brawls right so it's literally like you have a, a third family is there to officiate it and you have the fighter and you have one other family member and then somehow this guy got connected into filming these things and it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And um, basically what would happen is they would send VHS tapes back and forth, these families and mail them. And like, so-and-so would call out so-and-so. And so, you know, like basically like kind of like the internet is now with like, you know, people on social media, just talking shit or whatever, they would send these things out and they would meet up and um, they basically would get the, um, the place of the fight, like, like kind of like last minute. So they would, you know, meet up at this place, whatever. And basically it follows around like these two, the head of the two houses or whatever. And this one guy, like 60, 70 years old, these like the old heads, like fighting each other at the end. What? It's like the most ridiculous thing. Yeah. But it's a really, really cool movie. It's called Knuckle. And he filmed these things for like maybe like 10 to 15 years. So you see like in the beginning, like these like younger, like 10 year old kids, right? Who are like learning how to fight. Then all of a sudden at the end, they're like some of the champions for that family and stuff like that, all jacked up and juiced up and everything. It's, it's oh pretty my. cool. God, yeah, it's a good one. I, I like. I mean, Ron Tomatoes doesn't always get these ratings and these percentages, right, and stuff like that. But I like the movie you say Bill has a ninety-three percent rating versus the movie Ryan says Conor McGregor has like a fifty percent rating. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did it really get a fifty percent? You gotta be shitting me. What about um, the other ones I said? They gotta be good. <laughs> Do you well, have any other ones you like, Aaron? I'm sure. I'm sure. Last Dance got good reviews. We were trying to keep it minimum, though. Like I only gave two. Last Dance okay. if you want to be positive. Athlete Dave, you don't want to be so positive. 
There's another awesome one real quick that I've seen yeah, years yeah. ago. It's called Murder Ball. Okay, it's about um, the World Cup of wheelchair rugby. What the fuck? And it, yeah, so it's like a bunch of um, uh, yeah, basically like wounded warriors and that kind of basically people in wheelchairs and they have wheelchair rugby. So they build like these wheelchairs that have like ramps on the front and they're like smashing into each other and stuff like that. And it ends up being um, U.S. against Canada in the final. It's a whole big yeah. thing back and forth. That's why Bill brought it up. There's a lot of beef in there. No, but it's actually a really good flick, though. It's, it's, it's a good one. Dude, Murder Ball got 98%. Listen, I know my shit, bro. Listen, Bill's got shooters, man. Bill got <laughs> shooters, dog. Who won, Canada or you or America? Oh, Can't no, wait, you, don't bro. tell me. Don't tell Can't me. Can't tell you. You're right. You're right. Can't tell you. I'm just looking at these. Um, I just pulled up the top 100 listed documentaries fuck there's a lot of these i haven't actually seen i gotta dive into some of these sir the 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 other big one that i think pete was saying he didn't like was icarus did you guys see that one icarus i liked i watched i liked it it didn't like blow my hair back but i i didn't not like it for sure i definitely liked that, it that that one's like another issue one. i guess kind of like the movie bill said where like the guy was trying to film one documentary and end up stumbling into a completely different right. thing <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like the whole like the McGregor thing too. It's like you know he's just like filming this thing about whatever. Then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit! Like we're on the national news now, <laughs> like, or the world news basically with this guy. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, uh, we just ended up filming the yeah the greatest like fucking MMA star in terms of star power. Then it makes you think of how many documentaries are like in the process of being made with like people that no one's ever going to give a shit about and it's never going to come to fruition, right? Like <laughs> you did, you, you filmed some families for 12 years and it turns out to be shit. Right, exactly. It's just nothing, right? Or okay. Like, you know, let me, or let, it was some random plumber who just basically ended up staying on the local level and then that's it, right? Like not very good. Okay. So for the Rotten Tomatoes for Notorious, 14 reviewers gave it 50%. But over 250 of the audience gave it 71. percent I, I like to, my defense. I like Just to skew my, my data too. Okay, fit, fit, fit my narrative. I well, no, no, it is what it is, Playboy. I just like <laughs> to give the bigger picture of it. But um, and also even pumping iron in terms of like they're following the bodybuilder and of all the bodybuilders, it's fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like you got pretty, <laughs> you picked a good one. Yeah. If if we're just naming off ones, the other ones that I, the other one I watched I liked was called Free Solo, where those people that just like you know go climb mountains and stuff like that without any any cables or gear or anything like that. That one says uh, Ron Tomatoes ninety seven percent. That okay. was really really interesting. It's, it's for me it's like it's always like weird. Like I I'm not like completely afraid of heights, but it's like like it's a little bit scary like seeing these guys go up and like at any point like you know a rock slips or they don't put their foot down like boom, they can fall and die. And and some of the story is like hearing about some of these cases where someone tries to go like on one of these crazy climbs and uh, falls. Yeah, well, nowadays I've seen, they have those people that do like, they hang from the side of buildings. It's not rock climbing, obviously, but I, there's a human flies thing. or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> whatever it is. It's like a thing where like, it's, they think it's like art to like, you do handstands at the side of the buildings and you video it and post it and you do like all types of, they, they picture it. Like some of it actually is very cool pictures and views and whatever. However, this one guy ended up filming his own death and you could see it. You see his hands start slipping and then he goes and you know, for that second, when your hands start slipping, you're like, fuck, 
it's about to happen. I'm on my fingertips. And then you go, it's fucking terrible. It's one of those deals. Like to your point area. And I can't, uh, I'm not like deathly afraid of heights where I'm like, you know, BA Baracus who can't get from the 18, who can't get into a plane or something, but I'm not great with heights either. Like I, for sure, if I'm on a high up, if I'm on like a sky rise, <clears throat> I don't know how I feel sometimes going on the patio or the deck, you know, I'm like, I don't know. Like, we're, 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 we're like, legit, we're just talking about this, and I'm sweating already. That's how bad I am with heights. And just letting you know, <laughs> really? just keep going. Keep going. Are you yeah. really? Are you like that? Yeah. No shit. <laughs> it's like, like I, I feel like no matter who you are, like something will run through your mind. Like, like, yeah, what if like the like you know the little balcony or whatever, like you know, the, like the railing breaks, or I'm always like worried. Like, I'm always worried. Like, what if I'm on my phone? And, like, I like it slips out of my hand and, and falls over the ledge. Like, <laughs> everything is different. Look, at there was a guy. There was a coach who said um he's talking about fear and perspective and he was like i want all you guys to walk over this two by four i don't want anyone to fall over and they just went along this two by four and um i don't know how long it went on for but it was a good chunk to say it's 20 feet long and um it's just off the ground like a foot and he's like just to, for for your balancing skills let's go this this is a high school wrestler um and then he's like all right so you know how easy it is how many times you guys go around this loop like five times each good I put this thing hundred feet in the air. Not a fucking one of you is going to do it because you're afraid. <laughs> and he's like, that's the, when you rise the stakes, but it's the exact same feet. And you know, you could do it with your, you, if this is a foot off the ground, it's a fucking joke for you. you. You wouldn't even think twice. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll do it over and over. Sure. And the, it, it's not a problem. None of them fall off. Let me raise it hundred feet. Who wants to do it? There isn't a problem. You're not going to fall off, but your fear will actually make you start wobbling and start making, you'll look down through the board, hit, see the ground. Whoa, you might actually fall off from your fear. What's his point? And he's like, you got to control your fear, gentlemen. Don't overblow things, blah, blah, blah. He had a whole going in a different direction on this, but it is true that like, man, your mind, when you go on to like a, when you get high up there and you look over, there's nothing wrong, but there's something going on in your head where, I get nervous that I'll fucking make it happen just like the board where it's like, yeah, sure, of course I'm not gonna fall over the side. There's there's a railing, but what if I'm so freaking awkward because I'm nervous? <laughs> I, I just someone's like, it was a damnest thing, officer. I looked up 15 stories and the guy looked like he just teetered over the goddamn railing <laughs> on his own. <laughs> it's like, this is I don't know. I know what you mean though. I could get a little anxious around it. Oh, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, you still looking at some of these documentaries, love? There's there so many of them. And there's, I guess, like, you know, every athlete or every, like, actor or musician, there's, like, some kind of documentary. I just haven't seen a lot of them. Uh, I love, like, Muhammad Ali. And the one that I think it's Showtime had. Not um, a, It's not a podcast until Ali pops up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a pod, now it's a podcast, baby. Um what's my name and it's a two-parter and it, it was pretty good it was done pretty good this is around um when this when ali obviously ended up losing his title because he became muslim referred, refused to go to vietnam changed his name to muhammad ali from cassius clay and a couple of the guys he would fight just to piss him off would refuse to call him muhammad ali mama call him clay i call him clay they they would call him cassius clay and um in the, in the press conference, he was like, 
you're going to regret this. And the guy's like, why clay? Why clay? What do you get? <laughs> like egging him on like that. And he's like, Oh, he was in Muhammad always was like, always had something funny to say. You'd never got him like rattled. And, um, he fucking brutalized, uh, Ernie Terrell, like badly beat the piss out of him. And he was never a dirty fighter, but they show pictures. He thumbed him into the eye and he had detached his, like he wanted to hurt him and he was battering him so badly. And Ernie Terrell ended up um, getting an injury to his lower back, trying to like, cause he hit the canvas, came up and he's all mangled and he could hardly keep his arms up because his lower back was so badly fucked up. And Ali knew it, saw it, refused to pour on enough punches to warrant the ref from coming in and stopping it. It's a title fight. So he knows the other guy's corner is not going to stop it. And he battered him in the middle of the ring would stop when he thought the ref was going to come in and just to talk shit so that the guy had enough time to recuperate. And he would say, what's my name? <laughs> what's my name? And then batter him, batter him. And then what's my name? And started yelling it, batter him, batter him, put his hands down to humiliate him. What's my name? And the crowd's like, holy fuck. And just like beat the pit. Like Ellie's covered in blood. The guy's covered in blood. The guy like never was a contender ever again. Ruined him. And, uh, and it became one of those deals where it's like all the other guys, when you fight Ali, he's always a smile on his face. When he dissed you, it was tongue in cheek. It wasn't like Mike Tyson. It was tongue in cheek, but you saw that side once with Ali and everybody else is like, yo, I think I'm going to call him Muhammad. (laughs) 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 I think we're good on that. I think he made his point. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, man, it's a, it's a good documentary. It's, it's more than just that one fight, but, um, Everybody's got a dark side. Even Muhammad, it was all smiles. He's there's another charismatic fool from his day, huh? What about um, what about Bruce Lee? See any good Bruce Lee documentaries? No, dog. No, I haven't. I, I, I'm sure there's probably some. He's an interesting character. I'm that's sure there's some. That's why I figured you'd be into it. Uh, I mean, you know what, man? I'm not crazy into Bruce. Um. If I can be honest with you, you guys, Bruce Lee fans, like I was not at all miffed at that scene with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which, which look, if we're talking reviews, I fucking loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And that scene where Bruce Lee gets in a fight with, it was his name, Harv or Marv or whatever, or something like that. Uh, Brad Pitt's character anyways. Have you guys seen this movie? Uh, I saw it once when it came out. I don't remember much of it. Oh my God, fellas. <laughs> We're going to have to have a viewing party together. <laughs> you say Bruce Lee fought Brad Pitt? In this movie. It, Brad Pitt plays a character, and I couldn't remember Brad Pitt's character's name, but the guy, Bruce wait, Lee. Did, wait, Bruce, Bruce Lee was in the same movie as Brad Pitt? No. Okay, so let me let oh, me. Okay, that. I'm I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Okay, okay no, you're right, because some, some <laughs> listeners may not have seen this movie either. Okay, so... <laughs> This actually got some steam because people got upset with this. So once upon a time, you know how Quentin Tarantino does remakes of historical events like uh, Inglorious Bastards. Hitler didn't really die like that. And um, but it happened in World War Two. Some of the events were real. Once upon a time in Hollywood is based on the Marilyn uh, or sorry, uh, Charles Manson murders in the Manson family historically happened. 
But just like he rewrites history with some of his other movies, he rewrites how that story ends. I won't tell you exactly to put it, give it away. This is like an Oscar winning, crazy reviewed movie. Um, and in it though, so he has a bunch of people who actually were from around the 60s, 70s. Bruce Lee's one of the characters. And Brad Pitt's character is a stuntman who appears in movies. And in the movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, his character is in a scene as a stuntman and Bruce Lee, not the real Bruce Lee, obviously, an actor playing Bruce Lee is there and they have an altercation and they fight. And people didn't like how Bruce Lee was, he like was boastful, challenged the stuntman to a fist fight. They fought and this guy actually, they went one round each. So Brad Pitt's character won one, Bruce Lee won one. Bruce Lee didn't get his ass kicked. But anyway, some people like, they didn't like the depiction, um, but and because because of this, Ryan doesn't like Bruce Lee. <laughs> and because of this movie, my whole life I liked Bruce Lee until uh, I watched this movie. Uh, I thought you would like him because he's more of like a enigma. Because like you know his his story was so short, but like people like hyped it up to such a big beat that you like it. I, I'm not really into necessarily Bruce Lee movies or documentaries, but I yeah, like yeah. the the Ip Man movies. I don't know if you ever watched those. No, tell me about that. Which is he? he which is like um. It's not, I don't know if it's his uh, master or like the master of his masters, like what the story is based on. It's like where he learned martial arts and like that. So it's a story of that guy who kind of started up that style of martial arts. And so oh. those are, those are great movies. And in the later ones, I forget if it's like the third or fourth movie, like the young Bruce Lee, like comes into his like martial arts studio wine to like learn and stuff like that. So like they kind of like try to bring him in as kind of a little bit of a story to show the connection. Damn, I don't even think I. It's just and this made these movies were made recently. Uh, recently, as far as like you know, the last ten or fifteen years, because they have multiple ones. The uh, the first one was two thousand and eight, and the most recent one was uh, twenty nineteen. One of the best man talking about martial arts movies, Quentin Tarantino, Kill Bill, <laughs> one and two. Fucking love those. You guys seen those movies? No. Damn, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> Dude, these are good. Um, Uma Thurman and uh, our boy from the. I was, I was still not seeing it. Dog, it's crazy. These are big movies. These are really big time movies. Do you not watch a lot of movies, Bill? No, I just wasn't. Not, not into Quentin Tarantino. That one. I mean, not, not really a Tarantino guy for the most part. So yeah. Kinda... He's a style. Like, if you're not into. Give them a shot if you haven't gave like some of these movies are really high. It's not just me saying this. These are highly rated movies. Yeah, but yeah, no, he definitely course. has a he definitely has a style to him, though. So if it's not really your thing, then I get it because a lot of his movies do have the same feel. Right. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, like, so my wife and I we were out in Seattle on like a you know week trip out there, just you know, whale watching and that kind of stuff, whatever. Um, about maybe eight, nine, ten years ago, whatever. And um I was, I saw that, I guess, Bruce Lee's buried out there. What? So I guess, yeah, so Bruce Lee and Brandon Lee are buried next to each other. So I was like, hey, let's go check this out. You know, I want to see, it's supposed to be like a really beautiful uh, grave site and everything. And she's like, why? This is a weird thing to do. Like, this is not normal. People don't do this. I'm like, okay, we'll just stay in the car. I'm going to walk over and take a look, whatever. And there's like 20 people waiting to get to, to view this thing. So it's like, so at least I was a little bit, uh, you know, vindicated of like, you know, I'm not a weirdo that wants to see a gravesite of like, you know, <laughs> like I had to wait there, but yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, 
yeah, it has like um, it's like a nice big uh, book on top of that. It has some um, I, I don't even know what language it is, but you know, I guess his his yeah, I don't even know. Is it Japanese, yeah, Chinese, or Mandarin? Yeah, whatever Chinese. it is. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, but it was it's a really nice, and then like I said, his son's buried right next to him too, so that's pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird that they both died like around the same age. Yeah. It's legit. 10,000 people every year visit it, Bill. So you're vindicated. I told you. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of weird. But... <laughs> okay. So you guys know who Vince Lombardi is, right? Yeah. Tell me. I don't know. I, you know what I'm going to Okay. So he's, he's a real super famous football coach. Um, the NFL Super Bowl trophy is named after him. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So anyway, so he um, ended up he's buried basically in like the town I grew up in. Okay. So before our high school football games, like before we would go to the locker room and, you know, go to the game, me and my buddies would always stop by there, like, you know, and visit the gravesite and then go to the game. Yeah. And like, and like legit, like during football season, you know, there'd be packed because he was a real famous Green Bay Packer coach and there people would have like Packers banners and like, you know, just, just all kinds of memorabilia and stuff all over the place over there. So, and it was visited all the time. Did yeah. you really? Yeah, we used to every Saturday morning before a game. Did it work, dude? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're cursed each time you touch it. Speaking, um, I'm just looking up. Uh, obviously, this is COVID times too. Talking about documentaries, Tiger King. I'm not saying it's one of the greatest of all time, but what I am saying is. It's one of those documentaries that when I say Tiger King, every single one of us will be like beginning a lockdown. But we all, all the memes, all the, it was almost like a, it's wild. It brings me back. I remember what the first lockdown felt like. Like it actually like brings me back to like the first lockdown and, and the, my thoughts and emotions about like the pandemic and everything. It was like so fresh. Now we're almost over it. It's like, what, like, you know, in terms of uh, not where we are in placement, I mean, in terms of, like how long we've been in it, we've adjusted, we get it. But when Tiger King first came out, this is wild. And I remember everybody's like, well, at least we got fucking Tiger King. Like, holy, <laughs> remember people are making memes about how like we're locked down. Everybody's stuck in their house. People are facing unemployment. People are facing scared and they're stuck in their house and they got nothing to do. And Netflix is like, release tiger king <laughs> they're like we've been sitting on this one for a little while this is gonna work it, release tiger king it, it, it was a wild one because like these other names you're talking about like muhammad ali or conor mcgregor whatever they're like massive global stars and then they did a documentary on them versus tiger king no one knew who the hell any of these people were they dropped the, the documentary boom they come superstars it came so big that i remember at one of trump's uh presidential press conferences one of the news stations, wherever one of the websites were, asked him about Joe Joe Exotic and asked him about like whether he'd give him a pardon or hear his case yeah. or like that. So he got so popular that even Donald Trump knew about him. The president had to hear about this. <laughs> so this is a presidential issue now. Yeah. So it became like, that's how big Tiger King got. It's Tiger King, for God's sake. I never um, saw it. It's a, it's, you know what? It's a, it's a docu-series first off. So you can't just bang it off and you're done. I don't know. 
I, I don't know, man. I watched it in the beginning of lockdown. It was it's wildly entertaining because it's so like over the top. What the hell am I watching? The characters are like every single one of them is like a fucking fictional character almost. It but it's legit real. Um, and there's, there's plot twist endings in the whole nine. Like I don't want to give it away in case you do watch it. But Where does it take place? In Florida, probably. It sounds like <laughs> part of it. Yes, of course. Of course. The, 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 one of the ladies has a sanctuary somewhere in, I think, Tampa, Florida. Okay. But I'm not sure, too. I think a big chunk of it was that we were all locked down. I, I was going to say a big chunk of it was where he lived, which was the other place I lived for a little bit was Oklahoma. Nice. But I wonder for, like, how many people outside the U.S. that, like, saw this documentary, they're like, is this what America's like? Is this what the people? Yeah, not true. <laughs> but I'm dying laughing right now because I, I just remembered that um, – there was a post from uh, Gino on a meet this past weekend. I think, I think it was maybe Ryan that King List reposted it. And one of the comments is like, is that the Tiger King announcing? <laughs> nice. And I'm just picturing like, oh yeah, like, you know, they're both like, you know, have the same hair, tall guys, skinny legs and stuff like that. And Gino's wearing like his leopard print pants and his oh, vest and stuff. Um, I got one more. I know we're floating really late on it. Let me get this one last story out. Uh, and then we could maybe wrap it up unless you guys want to add on because we're getting close to midnight. This is the real KOTL after dark, fellas. We're not even <laughs> drinking this time, which is lame. Um, but uh, there was a documentary called Finding Sugar Man. And this is a really bizarre. This is before the internet happened. Well, not before the internet, but before social media really happened. This guy had released an album and I got to fucking almost revisit the story. If I get it wrong, I apologize. This will never happen again. It's unique. He released the album. And on the other side of the world, somebody got a hold of it, started playing it on the radio and whatnot in it. And it absolutely blew up, but he was not from that area. And he became fucking famous in this one country. That's remote. Like, let's say he's from, I think he's from somewhere in the U S and they're on the other side of the world. Okay, and they speak a different language. So they're, let's 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 say fuck it, fuck it. Let's say Malaysia. It's not Malaysia, but you get the point. Where who there could be a huge star in Malaysia right now, and there's millions of people in Malaysia, and we would never know about it. Is that fair to say? Do you guys know who the number one pop star in Malaysia is? No. So no. the point is, he dropped an album, and it blew up in fucking Malaysia, and I mean crazy blew up. He never knew about it until he's like 55 years old. Somebody found him, brought him to Malaysia. And at 55, he found out he's like the Beatles over there. <laughs> and he's selling out stadiums and he's rich and famous. And he doesn't know his whole life. He was all like, he, they listened to his albums like for 30 years. because People grew up on it. And I'm saying Malaysia, it's not Malaysia, but I'm this. It's, it's an incredible story. South, like, South Africa. It was a South Africa. Thank you, sir. That's Did you I'm find saying. it? Yeah, that's my man. That's my man. <laughs> See, people come on here sometimes and they talk to you like, um, maybe Arian can find it. And I'm like, uh, hang on a second. He just doesn't do that for everybody. <laughs> but uh, but uh, thank you, my friend. And, and how did it happen? Did I get that right? Did they just get their hands on an album and fucking he blew, it blew up? I mean, I'm looking at Wikipedia real quick. It doesn't say everything. It just says uh, the guy's name is Sixto Rodriguez. It says his music never had achieved success in the United States. 
had, but it had become very popular in South Africa, although little was known about him in that country. And I guess the documentary is about two guys from Cape town trying to figure out whether, cause I guess there's rumors that he died, figuring out whether he actually died or not and, and trying to figure out um, like what became of him and how he became famous over there. See, that's just it. That makes sense where you wouldn't think twice because you would think like, why didn't they find him sooner? Well, they thought he was dead. That was part of the folklore and legend. <laughs> and then eventually you find him like, holy shit, this guy's still alive. And then he's like, holy shit, I'm huge in South Africa. <laughs> right? That's so weird. Yeah, it's crazy. You know what's weird? This isn't nowhere near the same, but when I check out the downloads, I can see the countries that download us and we get downloads in crazy spots. And I'm like, holy shit, there's people downloading from like nations that are like, so far away, man. Different mother languages and you know, first languages, like holy smokes, man. It is freaking wild to think about. Ryan's a star in like uh Kazakhstan or something. <laughs> Malaysia. Well, doggy, well, yeah, me, you guys are on this podcast too. But um, and your boy Ulan probably appreciates all the shout-outs. So I mean, you never <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, fellas. Do you think we, we beat this dead horse to death or what? Yeah, man. All right. Fantasies, fantasy stuff coming soon. Fantasy stuff coming soon. You're right, sir. And um, if it, and you guys got room for picking up more coaching, we got to start doing this in the beginning. We got to start doing this. Remind me before we come on to tell people um, how they get a hold of you for coaching and we'll just get out the way. Ain't the nobody want to be coached by us. Don't worry about it, man. <laughs> oh, good. You got to follow Bill for super tips. Super tips. Dude, that super <laughs> tips was gold. Um, I reposted it in the story, and I got a bunch of those emoji, laughy emoji responses. Eggplants. <laughs> eggplants, that's right. I got a bunch of eggplant emojis. <laughs> Water drops. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, fellas. Until next time, thank you very much, everybody, and uh, peace. Yeah. <laughs>